Blab chat, Valorant. It's back. What episode number are we on? Episode 85, apparently. We've got Mimi wow. here, Bren, Connor, myself. And this one's going to be meaty. Uh, there's yeah. there's a lot to discuss. Even before we actually even get to like the EU and NA stuff, there's just tons going on. And Bren, you look like a human again. I'm in the, I'm in the internet. What do you mean I, you're in the internet? I'm in the internet <laughs> He's the ghost in the machine. I'm not in person because I'm waiting for a package and I've got, I've got my ear. I'm trying to keep an ear out, you know, I'm trying to listen for the door because they keep trying to deliver these packages, but I don't knock on the door. Mm. So if I miss this one, I'm in big trouble. Do you not have like a parcel, to, like a room? They, they need a sign. They, I need to sign it. Connor, I mm. thought you were about to say, do you not have a man to look after your parcels? Yeah, do you not, do you not have a butler that charges? Do you not have a doorman? Parcels? Yeah, what is, what's going on there? I don't understand. Do you not have someone that, that's taking care of you your whole life after your rich parents died? Via calendar I, man's I machinations. <laughs> Goddamn calendar man. Dude, you were talking about calendar man for 20 minutes before we started. Hey, first of all, you are still coming. You are still detoxing for the day. It was not 20 minutes. You're experiencing time at a different rate than the rest <laughs> of us. It is yeah. not Dude, that must be calendar man talking. If he's experiencing yeah. time wrong, if he's thinking the dates are wrong, fucking calendar man is bad. You're time dilation man is what you are. Like, this is not the same time scale <laughs> the, that the rest the of us experience. The potatoes has definitely set me back. Yeah, years, I think the brain fog is encroaching at a rapid rate. <laughs> uh, the the brain fog is going to eventually take us all, so don't worry about it. Anyway, um, our our sponsor for this episode that I want to give a shout out to before we get into any of these topics is NordVPN. You know them, you love them. They've been sponsoring all of our episodes for this uh, this uh, Valorant series and the Overwatch series throughout the month month the month of March. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, yeah, shout out to NordVPN. If you go to nordvpn.com slash valochat, or if you like just going to default URLs, you could go to nordvpn.com and then use the code valochat. It'll be the same amount of typing either way, though, so you might as well just type it in the first time. Don't know why you'd bother taking the more circuitous route, but you'll get a discount on your one-year one package. You'll get an extra month free and a bonus gift that may or may not be the package that Bren is currently looking for. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> I've just blown Dude. Bren's mind, and I'm sorry for that. Oh. Why would you use NordVPN, though? Because with a single click of a button, you can be protected from various different cyber threats and also look like you're from... What's, what's, the, what's the best-sounding country that they've got in a single click of a button? I already used Bosnia and Herzegovina on the previous Luxembourg. show. Uh, Luxembourg, huh? Yeah, I mean, definitely you could connect to Luxembourg. Moldova, that's an interesting one. That's got a good flag. Yeah, why not? You I can look what's like on you're from Moldova. Moldova Netflix. What, sorry? I wonder what's on Moldova Netflix. I wonder no what's idea. on the Moldovan internet. I want to know. Yeah, uh, well, you can with NordVPN. So, yeah, uh, shout out to NordVPN. Go and check them out. And uh, yeah, it'll benefit us as well. Uh, Bren, what's going on with you? I'm Googling Moldova. I've got the Wikipedia page up. And? A lot of information. I'm not going to go through it. <laughs> There's a lot on the Wikipedia I'm, I'm sure that country has existed in some form for a long time what? now. So, What do you mean what's going on with me? I, I'm just, just wondering what's going on with you. Wait there, though. Hold. Beep, 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 beep. We have some breaking news. Oh, my word. Sean and DDK have joined 100 Thieves with Mike's HD. Whoa, this one just happened, guys. This oh one hot off the press. I mean, we, we're right on the button with this one. We definitely didn't miss it last week whatsoever. Don't worry about <laughs> it. 
Um, yeah, this was the big news that didn't make our podcast last week because everyone likes to announce things on Tuesday, Wednesday, I guess. Um, and yeah, the news that Sean and DDK, the casters who had recently uh, made statements about quitting doing their casting jobs, essentially, uh, I've moved into 100 Thieves. So DDK is the general manager. Sean Gares is the head coach and Mike's HD is assistant coach, I believe. Um, and they posted, yeah, this like video where they were talking about their philosophy, this kind of stuff. Uh, what do you think about this move overall? Uh, starting from like the, the org perspective of whether or not they're going to be, you know, good pickups to revitalize 100 Thieves. And then maybe we'll go into whether or not it, it's a good idea for Sean and DDK. Hasn't Nade shot? I remember he specifically made a bunch of statements recently how... The thing he wants most in his life right now, his white whale, is that he wants to win. He wants 100 Thieves to not just be the hoodie org. He wants to win the video game. And like that's like his thing that his, he's currently obsessed with. So yeah. from an organizational perspective, they view these pickups as like, especially because Nate Shot is particularly obsessed with Valor, like right now. That's like his like his his real focus i feel is like an owner you know like obviously he's got other ventures but it seems just like from his own posts that yeah. he is currently just obsessed with valorant and having his team be good in valorant and i think he just views that this is their best step forward i think from an org perspective it definitely fits the 100 thieves motto what <laughs> like is the it's a clout they're clout pickups they're huge clout pickups <laughs> Like, if you think about, like, the most clouded coaching staff and, like, organ and GM and stuff that you could get, like, this would be, yeah. this would be it, you know? Dude, like, when even your, like, assistant coach has a big brand, that's, like, the most 100 Thieves thing ever. Oh, all three of our support staff have over 10,000 followers on Twitter. Pick them up. Grab them up. <laughs> that's perfect. That's everything I could ever want. Obviously, that was the, the only we can reason. Sell. Think of no. all the hoodies. No, I mean, no, but of course that's not going to be the aside. only reason. But jokes go on, aside, maybe. like they're 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 all they're all endemic to the scene. Sean has a lot of experience. He was playing for years back in Counter Strike, and he's been watching and, and analyzing this game for a long time. He's going to be super competent as a coach, I can imagine. He he's well in touch with the game. He knows what makes competitive competitive players tick. I mean, it makes sense, right? When when you can have people with a massive brand, someone who has already been proven to be strong in a competitive setting and will likely be a great coach. You have another person who's endemic to the scene and knows all of these players because he's been covering them for ages i mean it all kind of makes sense and pushes together even mike's even though he's only an assistant coach i mean he's proven he he brought envy to a grand final in uh, an international tournament like all these guys have impressive records and yeah i mean the announcement picture just says it all <laughs> i mean yeah that's definitely what you want to see well, i do feel that, that for me the biggest the, move is that was a meme GM. actually wasn't it the zelsis tweeted yeah it was zelsis yeah. zelsis has been also working fervently to not get that Twitter check mark. Like he's been changing his fucking name and putting out all these fake announcements. Like this dude, he's like, where's my Twitter check mark? And he keeps on fucking trolling. Like relentlessly. <laughs> like just relentlessly trolling. And I'm like, you're not gonna get the check mark. I've learned recently after the uh, bricked up fiasco that Twitter does not take trolling lightly. So. <laughs> what happened? Wait, can you tell us? What happened to bricked up? Why did you guys lose your hash flag? <sighs> Twitter hates downtown Miami. People don't even know the context of this though. No, there's nothing to talk about. Well, I'm just, it uh, is, it is actually a wonderful Valorant Overwatch crossover. But yeah. uh, Connor tried the to take the two worlds and meld them, and he was not allowed. The joyous whimsy could not perviate into the Twitter sphere. Well, we do love downtown Miami and Brickell Avenue. So yes, of course. We of to... course, the phrase bricked up yeah. is to do with yeah. downtown Miami. Reminds me of that. And it's not at all a joke that was spawned on the Platchet Co stream about 
having I, a hard I wouldn't know for anything rise. about that. I wouldn't know anything about that. My lawyers advised me to only talk about downtown Miami. <laughs> so that's all I know about. Okay. I, I wanna I wanna ask though from from the uh from the people's perspective whether this seems like a good move. Because obviously Sean and DDK, they've had their big thing talking about the casting and the lack of like job stability and those big opportunities in the big games. They did a bunch of seeding games, all of that kind of stuff. I made a video about it. Everyone's been talking about it. Um, that kind of shit. For Sean, it feels incredibly natural to go into a coaching position. He's already had massive competitive experience. And, and DDK was a pro player in the past as well that was able to yeah. do pretty well at Quake. But... Um, it feels like a very difficult task. That's what I would say. To be in charge of 100 Thieves right now, especially from Dan's position as a GM, it seems like a tough ask to turn this team around within a year's span because you don't well, exactly know what like free agents are going to be available. You have to do well either in like a month's time or for LCQ. Otherwise, you're out of champions contention for this year. Yeah. It is a rough ask, even for a talented lineup, which I think this is. Yeah, I think we're all in agreement that, that you know, these guys uh, being picked up. I, I mean, Sean and DDK, immensely talented. Mike as well, for the longest time, has been hunting for an opportunity to oh, yeah. um, be in that team structure. And I think um, the, the position they've got him in as well as the assistant coach is one of the perfect ones for him where, I mean, I know Mike said himself that he preferred to be from that kind of analyst role. And I know there's a lot of confusion in the scene in terms of what individual people do. Um, but typically in esports, like an assistant coach is somebody who is supplementing some quirky strats. They're like cooking up some stuff in server time for the team to try out and pull out rounds, like the the, the layers of prep, trap plays, things like that. Um, which is absolutely what Mike is is more suited to in my mind as well. You got Sean, who is the in the head coach position, who you're not going to run into issues like, where teams in the past won't respect their head coaches because they don't have prior competitive experience. You're talking to fucking Sean, like yeah. the, the players are going to respect him obviously, and they're going to be super excited to to work with him. Um, and he's also very charismatic, which is very important and underrated um, part of being a coach is being able to work through. Uh, people problems internally in a team be able to see from pro players perspectives but look at the wider team as a as a as a whole as well um and so yeah these these pickups are great for that and, and ddk is incredibly intelligent the man every time he speaks he's he's eloquent and you, you can tell he puts a lot of thought into anything he puts time and energy into definitely so, true yeah the picks uh, i i you know i i think these guys being picked up is uh, is pretty good but you are right josh it is a mountain of a task because you do not have much time you have a very emotional uh, emotionally invested owner as well that's not breathing down your neck but it can be a double-edged sword when nature has been shown to make kind of these rash decision making based off of yeah, yeah. you know this, this this deep desire to win in valorant which i respect that's one thing that you really want but sometimes that kind of decision making can pave the way for disaster later down the road and I don't think it's going to be the case where Nature is going to be making decisions around DDK and Sean anymore. It sounds like that Dan and Sean have been handed full agency of the roster, which is a great start, but it's still a really difficult task. You do not have a lot of time heading into Masters 2, and then if you don't end up making Masters 2, it's like the last chance qualifying, and that's it, right? Yeah, and then that's just I mean, what's the, the turnaround? We have, a, we have like a week till Masters. There's two weeks at Masters. Like you have like just over like a month and a half until the next round of VCT to find new players, to prep the new team, and to perform. Because what, if they, if they don't make challengers, then they're locked out of competition for like eight weeks. Well, they also, yeah. they have to go through open qualifiers at this point. Yeah. So there is a bit more freedom in terms of 
of the team, right? You wouldn't have to keep that core three together of Hiko, Ethan, Asana in order to retain any level of like sure. spot that goes through to closed. But that also means you actually have to be good to get through the open qualifiers yeah, that are going to start. I mean, like, that was my concern. Beginning Will they of May. actually be good? Yeah, that's that's uh, that's yeah. an incredibly short time frame. I also think about a lot of the people that have um, tried to do what Dan is doing. I I, I don't consider the two to be exactly the same with Sean and DDK going into these positions because Sean is almost returning back to something he's hyper comfortable with whereas DDK is going into like a bit of a new environment like a new challenge for him and he's he's been great at being able to tackle new challenges but I think back to a lot of the people that have tried to do those kind of things uh, uh, of like the people in League of Legends that have tried to do it or Henry G or Moses that have gone into these uh, behind the scenes roles or kind of puppet master roles and to varying levels of success. But I don't remember a scenario where someone's crushed it, where someone's gone from being on screen talent. About, yeah, Papa Smithy also actually 100 thieves. thieves. Actually, at hundred yeah. thieves, I remember what I yeah I, I remember that yeah because I literally he made that swap while swap while that swap while I was in Korea and he was like yeah I'm the hundred thieves GM for LCS or whatever or for their academy and then like actually since then because also I know because he picked up Gamsu who's been playing with their roster oh. like a lot mm -hmm. and so like I was just following that thread for a while and he's actually done like a fantastic job as a GM with with hundred thieves shockingly enough yeah, yeah. so I do think it's. Also, I think a big part of the situation, right, with someone making that swap, it's not like always one to one comparable, right? It's like the it's kind of like the hand you're dealt with the situation you enter. Of course, of course. You know, so like I and I don't exactly know the situations behind what happened with like Henry G and what happened with like Jat because I think he was the team liquid LCS like um, head coach, not so much GM, mm. but like a head coach for a little yeah. bit. You know, um, so like I don't know all those other situations. But at least for like the Papa Smithy uh, situation, and now also looking here at the Hundred Thieves situation, it feels like they've been giving a blank check to kind of like run it the way they want to. Um, and also in particular, like I think the support structure around like someone like DDK now as a GM, with you, know, you have Sean and Mike to like bounce off. It feels like you have plenty of level heads and experience and yes. like knowledge there to not make rash decisions. Because I feel like sometimes like. You could be a broadcaster and have excellent, like very good game knowledge, but you might not necessarily have had the organizational experience or even the competitive experience to like understand per se of like, okay, what exactly do I need to be doing here? Right. Cause like, or have that support structure, like from a head coach, yeah. like for, because like, sure, you could be a broadcaster sure. that has great knowledge, but if you don't have like someone that understands more of the people aspects or anything like that, like, you know, like there's yeah. a lot of different aspects there. So yeah, I, I feel like the, they have a very rounded. The synergy between here. Dan and Sean is going to be a real strong factor for making this team yeah. work, I think, to be able to have that level of communication and understanding of the, their approach in the game. Um, but to move on to one of the things that's actually happened in 100 Thieves, uh, JC Stani has been dropped from the roster, and JC Stani posted a tweet longer where he was... He, he seemed upset about the situation because essentially he had been told, yeah, don't worry, we really like you, you're a great player, we think you're going to be part of the plan moving forwards, uh, you know, like making, making him feel comfortable as possible, and then one day, boom, the rug is just pulled out from under his feet and it's like, nah, you're gone, with no... Um, no warning and it's not necessarily from reading this it doesn't feel like Stanny is actually upset at the decision itself just at the idea that he wasn't given any of that forewarning that he wasn't you know like prepped that this could be an eventuality that it was just like a kind of fake chatter in his ear yeah, I guess about like the yeah. second sentence um, what sorry all by someone of 100 thieves that the plan was to sign out sign me after VCT is the one just before the one you highlighted there Kurt yeah. Um, sure. And that's that's just again the big issues where you 
a hundred thieves they have a lot of stock in the scene like a lot of weight to throw around because they are this big org they are investing heavily but the decision making leading up to this point and the ramifications of some of the rash decisions that they've made leading up to this are obviously like showcasing themselves here i think as well um and it's it does create more issues potentially down the line for sean and ddk to build a roster um you know a capable roster as well you gotta you gotta remember that they the, the, not only do they have to build this roster there a couple of the obstacles that would normally stand your way is like not being given enough free agency to actually make the decisions you want it sounds like that's not the case they're going to be sure. able to have free reign but you also need time and they don't have a lot of time and also 100 thieves are showcased that even if they invest in outside talent and bring them over like it's it's all over the place it's the kind of story that's being told told by this org um I think it limits options in terms of what you might be able to pull from to rebuild the roster. And this just adds more more fuel to the fire um, with, with JC Stanley posting all of this, saying that he was verbally given an offer that he would be a permanent um, fixture on the team, but it gets yeah. ripped away from him. That is that yeah. that is an extremely classic esports thing of being like, yeah, don't worry, don't worry, you're good, you're good, and then nah, you're not. But at that's the like same a time, hundred thieves thing. Yes, that's a hundred thieves thing as but well. But you would still think with someone like DDK and Sean at the roster, surely they would be like they, I don't know, like they weren't. They the people didn't that, say who said that to him. Yeah, exactly. They didn't they say that. The no, but, but, but the point being, they're like you know, if he's if if they're in charge of the roster, right, like. I would view the two people that are most in charge of communicating your future with you as a competitive player are your GM and your head coach. Yes, but mm. I think the point being there that when when you're shifting ownership, you know, like if you work for a company oh, yeah, and, yeah. and the new ownership comes in, you expect the boat to be rocked a little bit, right? You expect Definitely. there to be some changes made, a different direction. And then once you've actually settled down, then you expect- You can't you know, hold promises to someone's head who's on the floor. Like like if someone's already out of the organization, like it doesn't matter what they promised you. Like, that, I mean, that's Definitely. just kind of how whatever company changes work and specifically in esports, that tends to be how it works. I mean, it really sucks for Sony because he's a super talented player and he, he seems like a pretty good guy that I, I hope does find a team. I hope that, that getting fucked over by 100 Thieves will give him an enough publicity to be able to get some good trials in um but the the thing is that like this roster is losing and it's been made very clear like we were saying by nade shot that he will not stand for that and he will not stand for a roster that is losing and will do whatever it takes so well, I, I think just kind of obliterating this roster from the inside is the only way for quick results we we talked about this on the last episode that like hey they need a culture shift maybe it takes new players maybe blah blah, blah. or actually that was that was sentinels we were talking about but i think the same case is here uh for for 100 thieves in that it's like something needs to shift we've had this core of three players for a while we've been switching everyone up around them i honestly think you do need to obliterate the roster if you yeah. want changes to be made no, that I, quickly you need a completely new structure you need a, a caller who's going to be able to work with your new coach and if that requires firing people so be it because it's been made clear here that the expectation of management isn't that we want this to be the big brand and we want the the best players possible we want a team that wins that's yeah. what they want. That's the one goal. And I think this is the only way to achieve it. It sucks that there's collateral damage, but that's how it is when your job is a competitive player. I, I was only surprised by the fact that more people weren't announced to be leaving 100 Thieves. I was surprised. Yeah, I, I'm expect, I was expecting was like, bye-bye Hiko. Bye, well, I was to be fair, like, JC Stani probably has the least amount of contractual protection because he wasn't even signed. Well, so Bang like, as well, theoretically, right? The, the yeah, fact exactly. that Bang has not also come out and said something kind of implies that actually they are looking to re-sign Bang. And that's yeah. that surprises me, because not because Bang is a bad player, but because I was expecting a full rehaul of the roster. And actually, yeah. this ties in a little bit to... Um, 
George Gens posted uh, that Wardell and Derek were some of the names that were being looked at um, for 100 Thieves, uh, which obviously that would lead to them having six players because, you know, if we're assuming that all of the other people apart from Stanny were staying on the roster. But what, what do you think about those moves as well? Do you think that seems like a sensible direction for the team to go into? Yeah, I mean, Derek's a no-brainer. If the rumors about the Rise roster, the, the Rise org trying to sell their roster and they don't want to be involved with the team as much, and it's kind of devolved. I don't know the exact specification of what's been, like, um, reported on. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about the Rise stuff uh, next. Yeah, but of course. Yeah. But, but in terms of the individual pickups, I mean, Derek's a no-brainer. The guy's cracked. I'm a tier three sub. I'm a simp. I'm not afraid <laughs> to say it. Like, the guy is actually sickeningly good at the game. Um, and for Wardell... I don't really know where to judge Wardell's place in the current ecosystem as much mm. because I'm, yeah, I don't know. Like, it's pretty clear that 100 Thieves either need to make a definitive decision on Asuna's place in the team playing Jet as a role or pick up a Jet player. And I imagine they're eyeing up Wardell because he hits the clout factor. He hits that checkbox, you know? You're going to be able to sell a lot of hoodies if you sign Wardell. So it's it's like... We don't want to sell hoodies. We want to win, Bren. We want to win. Okay. <laughs> well, and, then, and then that's my question is... I think Wardell is incredibly talented. How much of his... He's been playing so much Chamber as well recently. I he's don't know. been playing only Chamber. Oh, and his stats chamber. have been really good on it. But it's like, yeah. I, I've watched their games and it doesn't feel like there's... A, like, it feels like there's a lot of like low impact kills that he's well, getting. Like, yeah. I, it, it, it looks great on paper when I like look at him. I see big number, better person. Big number in statistics. Big number in followers. That all sounds really cool. But it's like... He's getting these against like Team Rekaru and Virius Pro. Like that 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 doesn't say a lot. And I, I think that he has potential to be a high level player. It's just I don't know if he's the person to like rock the bed and, and make Hundred Thieves good yeah. all of a sudden. Because now I wonder about roles. If you're bringing another person who has a rather limited agent pool, like what does he play? Jet Chamber? That's kind of it. That is an Asuna plays what? Sometimes raise Jet like. I, I don't know. I think the future for this team should hold trying to find more flexible players, trying to have more options around comps, because it's clear that's the direction the game is moving, at least in this current meta. I don't know what it will be like if there'll be another big chat, uh, patch that shakes things up before we go into the next stage of VCT. But I think like variability and players who can play a lot of roles is the road to success. I'm not saying Wardell is bad. I just don't know if he's the answer. And uh, I mean, if we're bringing in Wardell, if we're bringing in Derek, it makes me think probably Hiko's gone at that point, because I... I don't, I don't see what role you would switch him on over to. Would you drop away Ethan? I'd rather keep Ethan than keep Hiko. So I don't know. I, I think they're both solid players. Derek especially. I'm a big fan of that move. The question is, who are they getting rid of to make that space? Yeah. Yeah, it's just a rules issue, I think. that Because like when you have Bang, Asuna, and Ethan on this roster... Yeah, and then you're like, <laughs> you have like three flex players, <laughs> and so what's that, that can sort of play, and then the Asuna who plays like some duel specifically, like Rays. I mean, and that's why get... I think Bang is so good because he's such a solid player, and he, he can is. literally play every role, and he's super vocal in those comments. I, I don't even, I don't necessarily mind. Like, I personally, I don't mind the Bang keeping Bang here, right? Because like to me, I'd put like Ethan back on Smokes. Yeah, and since JC Stoney's gone, and then you, if you got Wardell, you'd have Wardell play main jet, and then like Chamber, and then. 
Austin is kind of like your other flex duelist, kind of like what you see from like Scream. And then you you get rid of Hucho, and then you add Derek. And then Bang, and then Bang is playing. (laughs) Maybe I don't know. You're playing double duelist all the time with flashes. You know, you you play like that's why you have to clear house with these players. That's why I'm surprised because in order to fix the role issue, you have to drop good players. They have good players, but you have to get rid of a bunch of them in order to actually build a system. That's I don't think be there's room on this team for for Austin and Wardell. To be honest, I think the the roles are conflict a little too much, and they're too similar of players. I I, I do not want to see Asner. Con- well, first of all, I wouldn't pick up Wardell in the first place, but I yeah. wouldn't want to keep Asner on Jet. In my opinion, I think Asner Jet is like it's hard capped. He, he's not he's not going to be a jet player that wins you an international tournament. He could be a, you know, raised secondary duelist, maybe like flex if he yeah, builds out his age pool a bit. But also, I want to move on. Yeah. Yeah, you want to yeah. move on from the clout topic? Well, yeah, I don't know. I just, I don't agree with that take. I think Aston is skilled enough that if he dedicated enough time and had good structure and team around him that wasn't changing up the roles, changing up the IGL, I think he would. What if you put what if you put him on a role similar to like Zekin, where you have him play like the KO, have him play the raise, sometimes have him flex to a couple other like initiator roles like that? Yeah, that's what yeah, I would like to see. Fine, like he's a fantastic flex player, like an amazing flex player. But it's yeah, it just comes down to the roles. You got to you got to get either a dedicated jet player who can also sometimes flex over to other stuff and have Asana now fulfill that role full time as a flex, or you put him in the jet position and actually enable him to succeed so that he's not on a team that's constantly making chops and changes. You, and could, spend, you could spend the next month until the open qualifiers just debating which way to go with this squad. Exactly. <laughs> Good luck to DDK and Sean and Mike. Good luck with this one. That's a that's a challenging jigsaw puzzle. Uh, one of the things that you mentioned, though, Bren, is that the Rise roster is um, theory to be exploding. This was George Geds again, I think, with a, a report saying that Rise's roster is set to... All of the players are set to go their own ways because they were in an agreement to try and get purchased by another organization, and that's ended up falling through. And the team recently, in terms of their VCT performances, it was nowhere near where they would have expected to make or, or were hoping to make. They didn't even make it through to the playoffs, despite beating one of the teams that went through to the grand finals. So, um, yeah, with with Derek potentially being up there, what other implications do you think this has? Uh, do you expect other teams to be in this kind of position too? I think it's, well, this is a unique situation where the Rise roster was already reported to be trying to sell the whole team. So it seems like they were trying to make an exit from Valorant like the scene in general, right? Um, and then the Rise players, it was reported that they wanted to stay together um, and uh, across the board. Yeah. But yeah, I think this team's success, I don't know. It always seemed a little bit too hard capped just by the inconsistency of Shanks and Poise IGLing as well. It had its moments where it was fantastic, but also uh, just didn't really sometimes have a grasp depending on what tournament they were playing in. And we saw glimpses of them playing really well in 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 the first stage of LCQ during the uh, the groups and whatnot, but yeah, it didn't really have legs. But in terms of the individual players, a lot of them are incredibly talented. Um, and you'd imagine that they'd be able to find themselves on, on other teams very easily, um, like Neptune, Superman, Derek, uh, Poised and Shanks. I, I don't know if they're like a, a duo, you know what I mean? Where they're, they're basically sure. shopping around for offer, offers together. Um, that might limit it, but also IGLs are a very very limited commodity in terms of the wider na ecosystem right now so poised also has a lot of value despite the fact that i'm talking about his uh his impacts being kind of wishy-washy over the last few weeks so 
yeah, this roster, if it does end up getting just picked apart, no doubt we're going to be seeing all these players um, across the board. Well, the report said Derek's linked with 100 Thieves, Superman's linked yeah. with FaZe. And then it was talking about Shanks and Neptune being restricted free agents as well. It actually didn't mention Poise from what I could see, but, you know, maybe maybe that's... Well, uh, I remember the, the there was something, there was a recent... Oh, they're trialing Poise with FaZe. Yeah, that's what it was. It was that Poise was also trialing with FaZe. And I do, I don't think there's any going to be any other rosters, though, that are like... Because it requires, generally for something like this happens because of, like, financial reasons for an organization, almost exclusively. Um because like there's no reason for an org to pull out of Valorant right now because of all the interest, unless it's like a financial reason, you know? Yeah, sorry. Like, when I said, do you expect this to happen to other teams? It was less so like a team collapsing and more kind of teams really trying to mix things up before the next stage. Yeah, like trying to sign some big players, poach some people. Like it feels like, especially 100 Thieves, kind of need to be throwing the bag around a little bit and seeing if they can pull from other rosters. But yeah. you, I could imagine that happening even with some teams that didn't quite make it. I mean, you've got like Hayes. I mean, NRG. Yeah, uh, Hayes yeah. and NRG. I mean, what the hell's going on there? And, you know, maybe NRG are looking to to make some shifts. I think that's a, a team with some level of potential. What, Whatever what TSM's if... going to do without Wardell <clears throat> now as well. Sure. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, My uh, question is, wait, we, we said that some of the Rise players are hypothetically trialing with FaZe. I'm a little surprised by that. Because I watched FaZe, they they played like that the, the, like 20k tournament that Boom did, um, and there were some solid teams in there, like most of the solid tier 2 teams were playing in that event, and they kind of like giga-fucked their way through that event. Like, they looked excellent. They finally had an IGL in Poach, and his calling was really good. They yeah. had a lot of awesome tools. Like, I, I, I thought that Fly and Shot Up were great. I loved Shot Up on towards the smoke roll. I'm actually surprised if it's true that they're thinking about switching players around, because I would like to see them at least try in the first VCT open call. Like, look at this. Like, they're beating solid teams yeah, here. Yeah. Gen G has been looking better than ever with Rhyme coming on in. DSM Academy has been looking like a solid squad. EG, sure, they kind of kind of got boomed in towards the uh, VCT. They're, they're still solid. Like, I don't know. I, I like the the Valorant that this team is playing in, in these smaller events. I'm a little surprised by that. I think it just depends on what their GM thinks because it's yeah. clear that, like, after their coach, after Trippy stepped away entirely though granted jdm is now they're still their head coach sure like i do feel like when you have the opportunity presented to you like you can poach players from a team like rise and not even poach them necessarily at this point but because with all the contracts for, i mean have maybe them for free basically. potentially get them for free yeah uh it's probably very appealing if i'm infamous i'm like man behind tree rubbing hands you know <laughs> like like uh, that because like it's just you can, it's very t not it's not very often you can get players that quality especially in the day because of all the co contractual like bio crap yeah. which two were they, they trialing that. super and poised Super, yeah. it was super that's what's been reported or there, or those two okay. yeah interesting. reported yeah interesting yeah i mean that uh, i guess they would move shut up to a different more fragging position rather than just dropping him entirely perhaps, i would hope but... they would keep him but mm. yeah. i also don't know if you're pushing him off that what role do you put him on there'll be a lot of interesting moves i think that happen because there are going to be people in positions where they really really want to get into vct next time yeah. around because you, you really are limited this format is a bit brutal this year if you kind of fucked up the beginning of the season off season this is your this is your big chance to try and make something happen uh let's let's go and talk about the big event though enough with the small little roster moves and stuff like that let's talk meaty fucking bucket of pie masters Reykjavik. Bucket of pie? That's like the... Bucket of pie. Huh? Bucket of pie? I don't know where that came from. That's just my... I'm hungry, I guess. Masters <laughs> Reykjavik. The format has been announced after... <laughs> after the games that were yeah. important for this format announcement. So what are, the, what are some big takeaways? It's double limb groups, 
with four teams in two groups. You make it through to the double elimination bracket, but the top four teams have been seeded directly into the playoffs bracket. Yeah, and that wasn't public information when the seeding games were actually happening. So I had a comment on my stream where I was like, Dude, EMEA are just trolling the seeding games. These games are these games seem so weird. I'm not gonna even bother watching them. And then I heard about this information and I was like, oh fuck, they're so important. <laughs> so then yeah. I'm like on the NA broadcast, like, guys, these seeding games are so important. You get to skip groups entirely. I'm like two completely different humans over the last week when I realized how how important those matches were. I'm glad they've incentivized seeding matches to matter because I'm going to be honest, that tired, worn out narrative of the seeding. I'm tired of talking about seeding matches and everyone was like, oh, seeding matches don't matter. Like, I understand that's how it worked in the past, but I want seeding matches to matter. I yeah, want yeah, them to feel like it's not dead it. air. There's been reason for it, but a team that you're seeing on your screen, the Sentinels as well, one of the, the biggest, the biggest buy-ins when it comes to like the whole ah it's too i'm too cool to care <laughs> that kind of attitude that they that they've carried when they were dominating north america obviously they had reasoning for it because a lot of the seeding matches didn't matter but yeah it would have been nice to have this format explainer as you can see here if you pause it here i mean this is a great way to explain it so the way it works is it's the similar group format as like champs and i think berlin worked the same way last year where you have this almost double limb in the groups um, but if you are the number one seed in EMEA, and you can keep playing them as well, Kurt, um, if you're the top seed in EMEA, NA, um, APAC, I think as well, and... Uh, the combined, uh, like, LATAM. The combined LATAM, which is decided by the match. No, 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 no. Right? Listen, listen, the region that wins the last chance qualifier then promotes the team yes. that won. It's not the last chance qualifier team. Which, by the way... Yes. That's really fucking stupid, the way that they've got that set up, because that means that whichever is the best of the second place teams decides which of the first place teams goes through. Why you wouldn't just do that the other way around, I don't know. Why would you not just have Loud play against Crew, and whoever wins that game, they get to carry one of the bottom teams in? Why would you have the teams underneath them compete? Because that is not indicative of which of those top-level teams is actually better. Do you, do you see what I mean there? Like, if Leviathan yeah. are playing against NIP, well, yeah, just because NIP might lose that game doesn't mean Loud would lose against Crew. It, it's a very yeah. silly way of doing that, in my I opinion. But, but also, the, the, the way people thought it worked was even worse, which was the, set, the, the, the second place team would just get, get the buy. Buy, get the buy. <laughs> That's what people thought how it worked. Right. <laughs> works it, it the way it works is the region that ends up representing more teams ends up shifting that number one spot mm. um yeah. so yeah not still not ideal because it's weird the way they've organized it but at least we know the format now and you can see it here on the vlr page they've already got it set up so you'll have your your other teams playing in this double limb group stage there's two groups for it the exact same as the way the group stage worked at champs in terms of just the overall format if that helps people put it in their minds um and then obviously you go through the bracket you have a play two games to, to qualify or you might end up playing more than that if you go through the lower bracket um and then you get into the playoffs which is going to be seeded with uh, the teams facing off against the teams that have already got that by but that is a huge uh, break between they also showcase that there's going to be this almost like gap within the, the, the tournament itself after the 18th till the um 22nd 22nd i think, I think yeah and uh, yeah so that is, that's also a big deal because um, it means if you are this number one seeded team and you can see them there um, at the bottom, you get a lot of time to prep, a lot of time to 
look at what the teams are playing, look and see what works. You get to see what the map pools are looking like. Teams are not going to be hiding strategies in the group stage. They're playing for their lives. So you're going to get an early look. Who the fuck had G2 Garden Paperex in their bingo card as making quarterfinals guaranteed for Reykjavik? <laughs> who had that? Who's the yeah. maniac who already predicted that? There's no way. This is a bonkers scenario. And, and part of the G2 thing we'll get onto later just because it's uh, EMEA. But the, mm-hmm. yeah, Bala did some calculations on this too. The, the team that wins could play as many as nine matches. If you went right from the beginning of the group stage, played through, you got knocked down in the upper quarterfinals, have to battle your way all the way back. Nine matches. Or one of those teams that's already been seeded in, like the guard or whatever, could just win in four games. They only play four matches. That's under half the amount of matches to potentially win the entire thing. For reference, we thought it was kind of unbalanced when Sentinels and Fnatic got to the grand finals and they played six matches and four matches. And this is nine and four. It's, it's kind of crazy, the difference yeah. in terms of how often you'll see teams. And you will specifically see the worst teams more often because these good mm-hmm. teams that have made it through, you just don't get to see them in the group stage. So it's, it's, got some, it's got some positives and some negatives. I really, I do appreciate the fact that it made the seeding games better. But also, if that's not public knowledge, did it even... Did that even permeate to the audience? Were they even watching those seeding games and thinking, wow, these games are so important? I don't, I don't know. Think Maybe it will in the future. The, the tie-in. Because I was co-streaming the finals and people were coming in saying, like, does this match even matter? And I was, like, screaming, like, yes, yes, it does. It matters, please. Like, the, the start to change the, the, the tone of, yeah. of how we view the, the seeding matches because... Um, yeah, I was just going off of the EMEA players tweeting that they had an extra week. They travel later and they get sure. to prep for longer. And I was like, it's a fucking huge deal. It's a massive deal. Like, this yeah. is so important. But It's just sad cool. that we didn't know ahead of time. Like, yeah. for, for, for people on broadcast, for fans, for, for, for anyone to, to not be able to, to, to know that and to be able to, like, have that value. That's a little unlucky. But I think the format is way better. I'm always a double limb fan. That was, I think, the the saddest part for me about uh, I think it was Berlin that had the it was the first one that had the groups, but then also didn't have a double limb bracket. It just feels like for all this effort, all this time to go into an international event, I think it really raises the stakes. And I think challengers this year showed it. Like I loved having the double limb bracket for for playoffs in in for NA. We got a really a lot of really fun stories. We got some teams running it back, like having some some big squads stacked down in the lower bracket, like. Valorant has already proved anyone can beat anyone. So it, it makes it fun, makes it a little less punishing for good teams who might get accidented or, or have a rough day. So mm-hmm. I, I like having those second chances. I do fear that since it is such a long event, like you said, Josh, we might get bogged down a little bit with like the bad teams having to pay, play like nine bazillion matches. But you, you have to take a, an L somewhere, and I think that's a reasonable place to take it. Yeah, there's also there's still going to be some really good teams in those group stages too. It's yeah. not like yeah. it's not like you know because there are some regions that don't bodies. even get a, a team on in, and it's like yeah. what you have you have your extra EMEA teams, you have your extra NA teams, you have you got uh, your Korean teams. Like, it's great. Yeah, yeah, you've got one of crew or loud is going to be in there as well, which is either yeah. way that's great. Yeah. So, okay, one of the big things though is that the winner of EMEA is yeah. unable yeah. to actually attend yeah. the event. So FPX, your your topic here as well. But people people are going to be wondering why aren't we diving into deeper detail about the minor region teams? Oh, uh, I mean, sorry, go on. Yeah, uh, can you uh, okay. you explain then, Brent? I was, I was just saying our plan is to cover NA and EMEA 
for most of this. And then by the time next week rolls around, we'll know every team that's going there. And then we can go on a bit more of a focus of the teams that are going to Reykjavik from the minor regions. But in case you're wondering, it's not that we're ignoring the minor regions and not going to talk about them. We're just, it's so much to cover that and so much to prep. It'll be next week. So there will be people that are wondering that. So I had to, I had to clear stopped that. Gut Zero from frothing at the mouth. Yeah. <laughs> stopped him. Yeah, we will, we will, of course, be discussing that. We'll be doing, hopefully the bracket will actually be out with like the, the full group stage will be released by that point in time as well. Yeah. So we'll be able to do like group preds, bracket preds, that kind of thing. We'll have like a big episode next week where we're discussing it all. But yeah, for today, there was some pretty important things happening. Yeah, loud as well. Okay, Kurt, okay, I get it. I get it. This team's winning. This team's winning Reykjavik. I get it. Unless unless NIP lose their game and then Loud have to play through the groups and then it's much more challenging for them. Yeah, then they have to actually get sad. I think he is, isn't he? What, sorry? Wyatt on the next episode? Wyatt? Maybe. With the, with the, I don't yeah, know. With, I don't know the, the schedule. Loud? I, don't I know think the... it is Wyatt. He can spout some just Bra Brazilian propaganda into our ears. <laughs> Wyatt only comes back for the Brazil episodes now. He's yeah. our Brazilian specialist, our expert from Latin America. Um, okay, so EMEA, though, to start there, one of the biggest things is that G2 have that first seed, not because they won the grand finals, but because they made it to the grand finals and FPX were unable to attend. So it's incredibly unfortunate for this FPX team. They were posting... Um, Maybe even before they knew, I saw Doombros posted a tweet saying about how much they've been scrimming recently. They've been putting in a huge amount of work. I mean, yeah. we were all blown away by the numbers that the guard was tweeting about as well. And then FPX is like, yeah, we've been scrimming even more than those guys, by the way. And they've been blasting everybody over in EMEA with subs, with with angel on jet it's just jet, been yeah it's been a fucking crazy storyline for fpx it really is just mad and yeah baddie g the sub is tweeting we're emea champions it's a dream come true and then i think it was literally the next day um they're unable to go to uh, the valorant masters event um and they say here that is because Angel, Xiao, and Sagetsu are unable to leave their countries for Iceland due to travel restriction. Uh, due to travel restrictions. Uh, oh, and I didn't even really uh, read the next part that Ardis is not allowed to play as he recently tested positive for COVID as well, um, which is why he was he was out for a while too. So no, he would have been, been able to play at Iceland, but yeah, he was out for. Oh, you're saying you were just saying he was. That's why he was out was because of COVID. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he would have been able to play for. They're also putting it down as a reason why they can't go. Yeah, they were saying uh, that they that was another reason that they're not able to attend. But well, it's I thought I thought it was because of Doom. Even if Doom Bros were to sub in, like they would still would not have their three core members because of the other three people being unable to travel. Sure, no, exactly. I'm I'm yeah. just saying it's compounding. You know, there's multiple yeah. problems yeah. here. It's not yeah. just the. Uh, the, the fact that their players who are from Russia and Ukraine are not able to attend, but also because gotcha. their, their other players are in a, a sticky situation. So, yeah, I, I really feel for these guys. It's the, the Valorant year is not very many big events. And mm -hmm. if you win one of the events, but you can't actually go to Masters, that's a third of the year that you have put in a ton of time, a ton of effort, succeeded, and then are almost robbed of that opportunity to really show yourself on the world stage. It, it must be gutting for them. I think this is probably, to me, the most brutal, like, timeline for FPX, honestly. Like, in terms of, like, all... There's been 
shitty stuff that's happened because of COVID because of Valorant stuff, like because of the COVID stuff in Valorant travel already, like with like Bern Esports, you know, for example, and like all the other things. The OCE but for this, teams. Yeah, the OCE teams. Like there's been really brutal things, but for FPX, for the team, because the thing is, I remember when we first started like really covering the FPX storyline and the artist swap to Jet, I was like, oh, you know, they look okay. They didn't look yeah. too good. And then they went from like looking okay to looking incredible. And then a war happened and then the fucking artist got covid and throughout all they're playing with subs they're playing with someone that's like 40 years old on jet like and they're winning and it's legitimately incredible the storyline for this team it's it's like the type of shit that like if if this was like if we had traditional sports money they'd make a documentary out of yeah. it yeah they make a documentary out of like this journey and the fact that they can't make it because of outside circumstances fucking sucks because that team was the truth when they were playing. The FPX looked so fucking good. So, just tragic. It is tragic. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's just sad. Like, I, I feel like like this is even, like, this was just them when they had to ring players in and, and have people in. Like, I'm not saying their, their subs were bad whatsoever. Like, it was a fantastic performance. They, they won EMEA. But, like, if they had a couple more weeks to prep, to, to practice, to get ready to go into things, like, I feel like the ideas that this team were implementing, like, like they were already proving themselves to be leaders in towards the new meta. They have just crazy, crazy player quality across the board. The calling was looking good. Like, I, I really have loved the ideas that Doom Bros is brought as a coach even when this team wasn't winning i thought they had great ideas and finally like for the first time ever it's working and then they just get giga fucked and yeah as it's just heartbreaking that's it's a great point as well because it the fpx storyline if you if you pull out a little bit has been them having really cool ideas but always getting pipped to the post they were yeah. second place the entirety of the 2020 year. Then in 2021, they slipped even further. It felt like they'd kind of lost their grip on even like what the meta direction was. Yeah, and then once they finally got in a position to win, yeah. they, they again get, uh, get unlucky, I guess, with, with, with this stuff. So yeah, it's the the silver lining to it which i saw some of the pros talking about as well it was like some of the other pros like boaster was tweeting about this kind of stuff too was the silver lining from a pro's perspective is you know that you can do it right like you've proven to yourself you've proven to your teammates that you're capable of being able to get to this position so it is a bit different to the past where fpx were like they were so close but they were never there this time they were there it was just literally outside factors that they can't control so I think they should still have a lot of confidence moving forward into stage two, being able to replicate this level of success. And the big question now for me is, as Liquid have been given an opportunity to go in their stead, what happens to the VCT points? I think that's a really interesting discussion too, because if you give them like the lowest amount, but Liquid end up doing really well, so Liquid have more points than FPX when they got in because yeah. FPX couldn't go. That seems really odd to me. I don't think there's a fair way actually of solving this problem in terms of uh, points allocation, but something like giving them the same amount as Liquid and then they're like rooting for Liquid to do well. I don't... <laughs> like, that, uh, like, a, like an avatar of battle for them that they've sent out? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't exactly know how you solve this situation because it feels I mean, incredibly unfair to give them... You know, you, you've denied them... I say you. There is no entity that has denied them this opportunity. I'm not blaming Riot here. It's a multitude of factors, most, most yeah. being uh, the, the war that's currently going on. And, but they, they've been unable to attend 
if they also lose out on any opportunity to get points and their competitors, their direct competitors, get more points as a result of that, that does feel like they've just been fucked twice. But then also for Liquid, if they do really, really well, and then they're like, oh, like you guys didn't actually get to keep any of the points you earned. No, no, I'm not then... saying that. All I'm saying is FPX would be awarded the same amount that Liquid acquired. Oh, sure. So yeah, be... I'm just, but also I'm just you know saying I mean? that like, in, I'm just also saying that like for Liquid, at least like there is like, sure, they didn't deserve to be there, but I'm sure it seems like they're pretty gracious in the fact and they're understanding based off their tweets yeah. that like they didn't earn their spot. So to me, you're compromise i think sounds the most Wait. fair in that like at least liquid could not overtake them mm. you know i have, like, even I have a question really do well. we know do we know for for stage two of vct is it based off placement or is it based off of points to get back into it like oh, to get into knows? emea vct who knows know? not a clue because that's my question because uh, let's say qualification is based off of points then make sure they have enough points to auto qualify if it's based off of placement then they'll they'll well, no, have in, it no matter what in emea they, they both of these teams have already made it through to the group stage next time emea has a okay. promotion relegation system okay. where it's only those bottom two teams that go into a promotion relegation tournament with the top vrl teams okay, that that's what i had forgotten and was yeah. making sure of. so they're auto into that now yes. the question is i think the bare minimum you should be doing is give them the points of an eighth place team I think but that's only fair. They, they fought there. Give them the bare minimum. I think that's probably the most realistic answer. I think the second option is what you're saying, Josh. Make it so that if Liquid does well or something, they get they get the points that they would have gotten if they were Liquid, and then you basically just tie them. And I think that seems fair because Liquid got accidented into having the event and mm -hmm. FPX was in a tough position. I think both teams walk away happy from that one, but other European teams will probably be sad. And then I think the, the third option would be depending on what the format is like for 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 EMEA for say champs maybe you make it so they like have an have an auto slot into into LCQ as well when that rolls around for champs yeah the the precedent that's been set in the past is just to give them the minimum amount of points i think yeah. but that, it was very different with Brenny Sports not being able to go because yeah. the team didn't replace them they just played the tournament with 15 teams instead of 16 and this time yeah. there is a placing them so which I, I like that ruling by the way i do like that ruling because just removing a team from the tournament when you have enough time to actually replace them with somebody else i think it's a win for the fans to have liquid there rather than just an empty yeah, slot sure. i think sure. empty no, slot no, no. is, is sucks for everyone then if you if you try and get complicated with it where you're giving them points based off of how liquid do isn't it wouldn't that mess up the grand scheme of the way the tournament works? Very possibly. Very possibly. I don't know. I haven't I haven't thought it all the way through to its logical conclusion. We need greater minds than ours in charge of this. Exactly. We need greater well, minds than yeah. ours. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the, the other knock-on effect as well that you have to think about too is that if Shao, Sugetsu, Angel weren't able to attend, there are other players. I mean, if Mech had been able to qualify, those guys probably would have just been utterly screwed. And there's also uh, Bravath for Fnatic, too, um, who presumably is not going to be able to attend the event unless it's a very different situation. Maybe Whippy would have run into trouble as well, although they, they claimed that he was going to be fine. Uh, let, let's talk about Fnatic, though, for a sec, too. Um, so Fnatic, they qualify. Before we even get onto any you know, Bravef discussion or talking about what we expect from them at the event, the method of this team qualifying through the upper bracket was the, one of the best games in Valorant I've ever watched. That upper insane. bracket game, Fnatic against Mech, the, the upper semi-final. This was the game that actually qualified them in. It guaranteed them third place. And holy mother of God, this series, every map was ultra banging. And then the final yeah. map was 
insane. Insane. <laughs> fucking crazy. What was this VOD like, Brid? Wasn't didn't you say it was like yeah. four and a half hours I, or something? I, I, this morning I was like, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna catch up on a bunch of the EMEA stuff. And I listed like three games. And I I this was the first game was Fnatic M3C. I open it up and I just see four hours of the <laughs> chunk of the broadcast, four hours dedicated to this game. So I ended up watching it on one point one point five speed with uh literally like skipping every second in between the front end of the rounds and it, it was i was just sat there losing my mind at how good the game was but also it was very comedic in its nature of listening to mitch and tom cast in a very high-pitched squeaky voice and they were making <laughs> jokes and they would giggle at their own jokes but the timing of it sounds like the kind of timing that somebody is really insecure that the joke they made is not funny so they're like <laughs> laughing so soon after they've made a comment it sounds like they're, they're trying to force a laugh but in reality it's not obviously if you slow it down it's normal but it was it, it created a humorous experience for me watching one of the most ridiculous games of Valorant ever because of not only the length of it, not only the quality of the teams um, that were playing, but also the stakes that were on the line to qualify to go to Iceland. Yeah. This match was ridiculous. It was utterly ridiculous. Is this the round where... No, this isn't the round where Bosa wins the 1v3, That's is it? Much. Yeah. I think, yeah. yeah, this is the clutch where he pulls out the 4K. I just pulled out generic clips around because you saw some of the very best of both of these teams <laughs> in this series. Like, Boaster is coming alive recently. I mean, yeah, he's playing he the year, but he's been playing these initiators, and he's been having tremendous impact on it, which is not something we would really associate with him <laughs> in, in the dragging roles. But look at him, he's clutching. Look at his cam. Look at him. He's going all <laughs> over the place. I mean, get a zoom in on this one. Get an enhance, Kurt. Enhance. We need to see this again. A man's falling out of his seat. It's insane. Look, look at him. He's he's like he's a little he's a little wind up toy soldier. You just, These frags are also ridiculous they are. <laughs> these frags are just absolutely <laughs> insane yeah and then we saw we saw like uh we saw m3c just winning countless eco rounds to just pull back the fracture game i think it was was where i was pulling them from and it was just rounds that you showcased like the the not only the raw synergy of m3c but their ability to cook up a game plan on the fly even with uh, like piss poor weaponry to be able to win out rounds and it was it was amazing to just watch the back and forth between both of these teams and the strengths of them being applied like fanatics post plants as well they were getting set up in these post plants and i was so often on fracture and showcasing what you can really do with it it's like i got teleported back in time with the meta almost <laughs> yeah this this game, I think, instant top five game of all time. And also, uh, it's, it's incredibly disappointing that... Uh, well, I thought it was... Th these two teams looked like the best teams in EMEA to me, coming into the yeah. week. That's what I said last week. Mm -hmm. And I think FPX showcased that they are um, uh, wizards or something. I, I, it's been outrageous watching FPX. And then you've got you know your G2 who qualified in the first place they they w have just been improving and improving but i'm still kind of amazed that mech didn't make it they were 0 0.02 seconds away from being able to qualify via a crazy round that we'll watch later on split but if you think about it even before it got to that they were down like 10-3 i think that was the score 10-3 something like that yeah. on split yeah and so they had to win like a fucking crazy round with a shorty in round 14 to even get things back into their favor where they could go on this level of run otherwise it would have stopped way earlier and fanatic would have looked significantly like the better team but yeah th 
these mech guys are outrageous. I know they're not going to be at Reykjavik, and even if they had one, they probably wouldn't have been able to attend. But my god, EMAA teams are so good. The depth of, like, the top five is outrageous. Is yeah. this, what was, what clip was this? Is this Chronicle's massive balls just holding down yeah. B main by himself? I think so. Yeah, dude, he, it's just insane that Chronicle has the comfort in his own ability uh, at this point as well. It's 10-5 and he's just solo holding down B main and the Fnatic players are looking at him pressuring and they're like, well, it's got to be someone supporting him. Even if it is a chamber and he's got a TP to get out of there. Look at this. He's just swinging into them, holding down control of it the entire time. I think he even gets a pick in the end of this. This round also, I think, ends in a in a, a fucking ridiculous circumstance with the pivot. But with the Guardian, by the way. Just yeah. with the Guardian. Dude, he yep. is so fucking... My Chronicle stocks that I that I purchased at Berlin and pushed have created generational wealth for my family. <laughs> my Chronicle stocks... Well, I, I remember when I was pushing it. When I was pushing that at yeah. Berlin and everyone was like, ah, I, I don't know. It's like, I'm now... I'm like the Google employees at the IPO. Dude. I'm fucking... I'm, you have I'm, some I'm, stock options. It's fucking crazy. 401k is, is filled to the brim. That guy's You're going to retire a happy nasty. man. And, and I really... I am very disappointed that Mech didn't make it further than this too because it felt like after this match their back kind of got and them and fanatic bro this this battle was so great that they were exhausted yeah. for the rest of the time yeah. like it, really did. Honestly valid. it, it yeah. felt like, like it felt like met got exhausted and it was it was a pyrrhic victory for fanatic mm, they won this. but at what cost it just dude can, can i just say that I, I i outside of just like the player quality on both these teams which is insane and the in the calling in the mid round especially for a game that goes this deep to continue to have fresh ideas and to be able to like implement them on the fly crazy impressive from both of these squads but i i love like just like a higher level the comps they're bringing and the way they're playing valorant mech especially like we see see everyone in na stealing their comps because they have such mm -hmm. good ideas like i i love the way that they're playing split i think the implementation of defo on the neon they, they've played it before but this match it was looking fantastic fantastic and it proved that it's not just a gimmick comp that they can get into these really close late round games and still find value from these weirder comps we, we talked about chronicle already but i think the chamber role for him just fits him really really well like the the aggression on the extremities was excellent and when you pair that with like a kind of like an info heavy comp with just the aggression you can get from just having defo push anywhere and instantly have info it it works really really well for them and then pair that with the already high player quality and you just have like this recipe for success but i, 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 I was just gonna no sorry i was just gonna say i think it's mad that fanatic yeah. won the game i mean yeah, and also look like because... the better team because mech split is so good and i yet... think they probably have one of the best splits in the world like yeah, but the, also the way they fanatic play beat them <laughs> Yeah, that's the thing. That's the thing. The, the Fnatic beat them. And it talks talks about their staying power for being able to stay in this matchup and, and still find that value that light in towards a game. I, I think it, it, it speaks droves about Boaster and um and uh, I just also about the comp. Like, it's a very different approach to split that they brought on into this one. Like, very uh, much more, like, heavier on the passive utility where it was bringing in both, like, the Viper kind of double controller comp and also having the, the Sage for Brave Aff. Like, it, it's so sad that we, that we won't have Brave Aff going because I think this game especially was such a good example uh, of him as a player and as an individual. I, I think this, the Sage added a lot to them. It worked well to counter out the pace that, that M3C was trying to pull through. Like, lots of just really fun ideas from both these teams. I, I know I'm, like, a big NA fanboy, but the, the depth of talent in eu is wild and the fact that m3c isn't going is is kind of heartbreaking but it's also crazy that there are that many good eu teams that they won't be there yeah, yeah. Brave is going to be a hard replacement for them as well just because we haven't really spoke about it that much yeah go on but he the roles that he plays for them as well it's it's 
it's difficult to replace someone who is a central piece of the machine yeah. you have, the strats you got cooked up when they're playing the breach and the sober for you. Uh, yeah. And maybe not necessarily the sage, but it is so important for setting up your team for success with just all the utility usage, trap plays that you might have got cooked up. You, to replace somebody who's also, who's just in that position and has been doing that for you, it's it's way harder than I think finding a replacement for most other roles, in my opinion. He's also not just a crucial piece of the puzzle in the same way that some, you know, every Sova breach on a top team is going to be a crucial piece of the puzzle. But Bravaf is also up there for the best signing of the offseason. Yeah. In my head, it's Xander number one and then Bravaf. Bravaf is incredibly talented. I didn't, I didn't expect the level of performance I've seen from him. I think Trex is also pretty good from Guild as well. But I, yeah, Trent, oh, Trent, obviously. of course, yeah, yeah. too. I mean, there have just been so many, but Bravaf belongs in that conversation for sure because not Pretty only you, did yeah. he fix some of the role stuff that was going on with Fnatic where he allowed Boaster to focus much more on one central role of being like the supportive flex player for the team, but he's also just insanely good on Sova. He's fantastic, and not just the Sova, but he's an insanely talented player. He really is. I don't know who they're going to get to... There was some, like... There was a report that they were apparently looking at bone call, but then the players uh, either they were disputing that it was true, but maybe the players weren't even told. Maybe it was just coming from somebody, some of the suits higher up. They have Otom on the roster, but I don't think Otom's going to be able to fill Bravaf's shoes uh, just because of how well Bravaf's been playing. It should be a fairly heavy nerf to Fnatic. As well, like sorry, this is the this is the round that that essentially qualified them because you look at this scoreline. By the way, they're battling in OT this entire time. Mecha are ahead by one round. Like they just need to win the one round, and th that's it. They are the ones who are going to Iceland, not Fnatic. But for that, they just burst through. They have the presence of mind to be checking and clearing the players when they're hard pivoting around. The spike gets planted into the into the back, and they're playing these post plants. And look at how fucking tight this timing is, man! It is it is insane. This round was just ridiculous. It is also, ridiculous. this is like another like brave. Just speaking about brave and how smart he is, like backing up and not contesting them in ropes, making sure to keep the pressure on them, and they had to like worry about brave like coming back for the reflank. It just bought so much time for them once he recontrols heaven. Still, like yeah, he's like so late to this fight but it delayed their push so long like so long because they were like re-clearing ropes and then he comes back out and he's able to contest and take this fight late like it's crazy that play from brave like it's really good awareness and the time of it i mean they already got half i, I couldn't believe what i was witnessing it's I literally on land they win that like hey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah that's literally 0 0.02 seconds away they go on to win the map and yep. they go to Iceland off the back of it. It's this was yeah, this is one of the best games of Valorant that I've watched. All right. Then then okay, we've talked about them and why they're so good. Riddle me this. Who who plays instead of Bravath? Because we talked about Otem. Like what what roles was he playing with Rex? He was playing like fucking like Phoenix and Initiators. And I was like, I was never really a fan of those roles. Like I don't think he'd be a great guy to fill one for one in, into what Bravath was doing. Do you implode the rest of the team? Do you find someone new? Do I don't you, know. It, are they allowed to pick up a player that's already played for a different team in VCT mm. this stage? I'm not sure what the know. rules are like. Because I don't know, but let's say hypothetically they are. Who are you thinking? I'm thinking I mean, somebody like Trex. Bone Cold would have made sense. Mm. What's right? Bone Cold and Trex both make sense for this team, yeah. right? But they denied Bone Cold, right? They said, like, no, we're not getting Bone Cold. Yeah. And, right? and I think Fnatic Mini both have... Uh, Fnatic and Mini. Mini and Boaster. <laughs> 
both have very good ideas of uh, yeah. talent that would fit for their teams. So I'm sure they have people in mind for this. It's just the question is, what are they? Who are they allowed to pick up? I think. I mean, surely Riot would be trips. flexible, right? Because yeah. of the situation. Like, if you literally, they won't you don't think you don't think Riot would be flexible if people like if just because of an ex extreme situation. Well, like, but I think there are some competitive integrity issues with people with picking up somebody who is your direct opponent within EMEA. Mm -hmm. Like, if they're, you know, let's let me use Trex as the example, right? Trex is going to be playing with Guild against Fnatic next season sure are you concerned from like a integrity position that um you have a player that's like subbing i uh, mean i don't i mean personally the corporate espionage angle doesn't hit for me you no. know yeah. because like the thing is is like the meta could change between then like the like what agents roll like role swaps like there's so much that could change in between then and like it would require him to essentially be like you know those people that are born and they have like perfect memory and they can remember everything like that's essentially what Trex would have. Trex would have to download the entirety of Fnatic and like scribble all the and notes down. I don't down think Fnatic is a team that has like some like secret sauce hidden away in their vault. They're yeah, just, it's like, like because them, it's fifty percent of the game is just like more, if not more than fifty percent of this game is just based off the individual talent of the players yeah. and not just your actual like strats and game plans, right? And like, like you yeah. said, meta shifts so much, it, it probably won't be the same. I, I find it highly time. unlikely that would matter. And for this situation, like it's to me, it seems a little like obviously I, I get it if the end result is like no, we can't. You're not allowed to use Trex, but like it's different than like fpx right where it's like a whole new team but it's just sure. one player yeah i don't player. know if they could even if they let's say they were allowed to bring trex i don't know if they'd be able to get him because he's he's a russian player will will he be even be able to be yeah, allowed I'm, like I'm, the, I'm, the travel stuff has already been so tough I, i'm not really nominating him and in fact i'd forgotten where he was even from so yeah that would be profoundly stupid wouldn't it but yeah. if you there, there will be other players in emea that would make for somewhat decent pickups i think it, sure. it's it's tough, though. It, it is going to be difficult. I think Boaster tweeted after they lost... So they beat Mech, and we were talking about how it felt a bit like a Pyrrhic victory because they just got rolled after that. They got 13-0'd against um, FPX, right? And then they went into the game against... Was that against FPX? I think it was. Yeah. It was on split. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then the they went into the game right against G2, lost 3-0. Uh, the the players looked a little limp. These were the seeding games where I didn't know how important it was to get first seed at this point. And so I I honestly, I watched some of these games and just thought, well, this doesn't look like the same Fnatic to me at all. So I just kind of zoned out while I was watching them and, and just assumed the stakes were small. But in fact, these were important games. And I don't, I would love to know what Fnatic's like what Fnatic think the problems were here because it really did look like a totally different squad in terms of their like motivation, their um, their proactivity, the individual performances. Uh, I I don't know, but whatever the case may be, Boaster tweeted after this saying we're back to being the what did he say? Back to being the underdogs or something like that. Back to being underrated. But I, that's not how I think about this at all. I still think that Fnatic have. There we go. Back to being top underdogs, the top 21 Jet and friends, which is, you know, that's uh, a that's a dig at us specifically. That but is. I, I still, if I'm going to like rank players heading in, Durker is absolutely up at the top for his, okay, the performances in those seeding games were fairly poor, but everything he's done for the rest of the year since Champions and including Champions has been insane. And this team looks awesome in the games that got them to the event. So I still rate this team really fucking highly. Yeah, they're not going to be like guaranteed to the playoffs, but... Unless they have an insanely difficult group stage, 
I think they could even go deeper than G2, who are perma-booked into the playoffs. I don't think that's crazy at all. Yeah. I think, I imagine as well, once they've qualified after that match, that's when they start working out logistics, and they probably found out shortly afterwards that Brave wouldn't be able to go. Yeah, that could be a that could Able, be a factor. That's just again pure speculation on my part. I don't know if it was or played a part in their in their in their matches, but I can only imagine it would if you if you then decided to work out you know flights, logistics, what what's going on for for you going to the country, and then you find out oh actually one of the core pieces as to why we even made it there can't can't play with us, and you're figuring out that on top with all the stress. Um, yeah, pretty brutal for them, but still a very fun team to follow, and it's just I, I love watching Boaster. I love watching him. He's such an emotive player. It's going to be amazing to see him at Iceland, on the stage, playing against other people. <laughs> please stop coming to the A-bomb site on Split E-tweets. I know I'm there, but please, I can't hold it. <laughs> he, me up, man. He, is, he is a really, he's the exact type of personality you need in like a burgeoning esports scene, you know, yeah. of like yeah. building those legends and mythos early. And like, also, unlike comparatively to most, like, I feel like big personalities in esports, a lot of big personalities wash out because they're just not good enough, generally. Like, they just can't keep mm. up with the schedule. Like, they don't have the individual talent as much but they have great personalities boaster seems to be one of those few cases where he has both you know he is that good and well, he's, he's, like the good, he's like the good christian emea family friendly vanity <laughs> <laughs> um so the uh, the other team then that was able to they are now the number one seeds with the fpx dropping out with uh them making it to the grand finals g2 g2 and mixwell uh, this is another absurd storyline i think we've got so many with the guard being able to qualify with you know fpx's insane run even though they're not actually there but like all of the adversity that they've had to go through and then g2 this team this team looked like uh this team looked like it was just making some clowny moves in the offseason rotating their roster around so much but they hit a period where they were playing against guild that was the when they played against Guild and Ascend in the group stage, that was when I started to think, okay, this team actually is cooking something up. With Nookie, and that, at that point, Nookie was hard carrying them as well on Rays. And now Nookie is still not putting in, he's not putting in like unbelievable God tier performances. He's just playing extremely, extremely well. But the whole system, the calling, Meadows stepped up massively. This team has really improved from what they looked like in those opening weeks. Like two months ago, G2 were looking like a mess. And they've... It's I ridiculous. Mean, now they're the first seed. They're guaranteed playoffs. You're not telling me that Meadow swapping roles, the team bringing Mixwell in and having all these issues with, with understanding like the roles as well and how that, that plays out. Nuki as well having to IGL for them as the player who is often, you know, carrying a tremendous amount of, of responsibility on his shoulders to actually pop off in the maps. You're telling me this team has come together right here, right now to make Iceland? It's, it's insane. It, yeah. it, it's absolutely insane. Look yeah. at the fucking numbers. <laughs> He's IGLing. He's IGLing, IGLing by the way. He's, oh IGLing. My He's, God. Up. He's right at fucking top, man. It, it, it reminds me and it gives me hope. And I hate that. I hate that it gives me hope because <laughs> it's like the same kind of hope I felt about G2 like coming into, into Berlin. And to be they fair, did they beat actually, Sentinels. They beat Sentinels and they, and they started playing really well. But then obviously they fell short, I think, when they got to the actual playoffs of that, if I'm remembering correctly. Well, but it, they, they beat. I think they beat Crew in the quarters, didn't they? And well, they made it to I'm, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go take a look at this now because I can't remember. The... I thought G2 got a really good quarters matchup against Crew and made it to the semifinals. That's so what I said. They... 
Yeah, they lost in the semis to Gambit. There you go. Yeah, they lost to the Gambit. Yeah. So I that is a really good run, making top four of Berlin. Yeah. Yeah, yes. the, the bracket was a little easier, arguably. Yeah, their bracket was much easier until essentially they hit crew. Um, and here's what it, yeah, so. the similarities of of that G2 to this G2, the only similarities I'm really drawing in my mind is just the unexpected element of them doing this. Well, is, is, I would draw my- I would draw another analogy too, which is yeah. they look phenomenal the second time playing a team. Do you remember at Berlin when they played Sentinels the first time and they had a really good plan for Icebox and then they got kind of boomed on some other places and then they adjusted the second time around and a lot of the conversation was like, oh, Sentinels don't really care about that matchup the second time around because it was that weird round-robin group that Team Bren couldn't go to. But yeah. honestly, what it came down to for me was G2 had insane adaptation the second time around. The... Uh, the players made smart adjustments. They counter-strated. They crushed. When I'm watching them in this bracket too, every time they play somebody the second time around, they look god-tier compared to the first time. Uh, who was it specifically that I was thinking about? It was... They were they were really struggling against someone's burst executes. Are you referring to Liquid? Because they played Liquid twice. Liquid. Yes, that's yeah. what it was. It the was the game was against like Liquid. Yeah. Holy mother of God, they looked insanely better. The first, so the first time on Split, okay, Team Liquid kind of rolled them, and it wasn't Team Liquid doing anything too crazy. They were just going into the B site, hitting a bunch of shots, and rolling Avova, who couldn't hold on on B at all. Avova, like, fucking tweeting this kind of stuff. And then the second time they play it, you can see Avova was smoking back in better positions, like adjusting it. They're so good. Vova's anchoring as well. Yeah, from from the the second time around where they played it, um, yeah. it's on split. Uh, but there were multiple examples that you could pull from from the split as well. I mean, I, I don't know if we can pull the clip. Did I send it in? I think I did. Um, I mean, G two just dominated them on. Sp- I mean, they dominated them the whole that whole series. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But but also, yeah, I think Vova anchoring Craigasm. Yeah, the the Evolver anchoring, the, the the smoke, he was previously, the first time they played, just smoking B main and trying to just hold default. And he was just standing until he was the last man there. And this time he had these like deeper smokes that were good adjustments on both A and B. And he was yeah. just locking that shit down, making it really so much more difficult for Liquid. And I don't think we've seen, for, particularly from like Brim players, I don't think we've seen a lot of these deep smokes on site to like debate to like force deny like the the site a lot. Like I don't think we've seen this like a lot, especially like on B when like generally almost everyone just default smokes and making sure you have no you have no vision when you come in. And those like really really deep smokes like close to the bomb. I don't know if I've seen that very often from anchors. Mm. You know, I feel like that's like relatively unique compared to a lot of smokers. I don't feel People- like we've seen that often at all. People do that quite a lot with Omen or Astra, where they'll throw yeah, a smoke not, not to play Brim, inside. But know. Brim smokes are so claustrophobic if you're inside them. You you lose all of this. Yeah, I don't know what, they're playing. I don't know what it really is, but the fact that they're filled with smoke on the inside <laughs> makes it more annoying to play inside. It's harder to gather your senses of when you're going to pop out of it, which yeah. makes it hard to play inside. Hard to see the edges, hard to see people who are like tipping So I think, so I think, it, was, I think it was a really cool way to play it because it's not something that we've seen a lot of Brim players sure. do comparatively because like it wasn't like he was lurking in it. He was literally just doing it to split the sights and like have someone else hold the angle off of his smoke as well. So yeah. like it was just cool. It was a cool way to yeah. play it. I really they, like the way they, they play don't. their icebox too for for this team. Like I think their their comp is pretty based. Like tr- most teams are still like <laughs> super into the duelists on this map for like no reason. I think icebox is one of the best maps for if you want to get funky, if you want to go no duelist, especially with the change, it works well Agreed. for that. Like yeah. you'd think with a comp like this, their attack side would be rough, but but no, like Mixwell, he's had such a market improvement for this team. 
and I think his chamber play on that map specifically was was absolutely stellar. Like, sure, he didn't have the, the craziest performance, like, popping off as an individual, but he did a great job taking space. And then just, like, the supportive line, like, we talked about it, but Meadow, Nukia, like, even the support players on this roster are just nuts tier individuals so being able to kind of flex a comp that, that plays that well and also just gives them giga utility for their defense is 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 really fun and i like the ideas they're bringing and uh, i mean obviously like the players themselves have distinctly improved since previous showings for g2 i, I don't know if i have them as like a super duper top contender going on it but I, I don't know i i'm still i'm still excited to watch them internationally look at this this is so dumb this is so dumb dude, <laughs> dude there it is. Wait, the middle finger there it is <laughs> <laughs> I love G2. The G2 social media game is also so funny from this because like, all the middle finger memes that occurred like from this yeah. moment uh, is so funny. <laughs> <laughs> so fucking funny. It I actually so believe funny. in G2 a lot more heading into Iceland than I did in Berlin. Like uh, from this yeah. roster iteration. Like in Berlin, it felt like it was like the Kellogg show, like Helix and Nuki show. But it feels like they actually are a complete team. Well, it's, just, it's so surprising to me. I don't know. You just don't expect it, man. The musical chairs would mix well in and out, and now it just seems like the fact that they have just made a concrete decision that Mixwell is in this roster, and it's like, you guys, uh, not necessarily you, you have to deal with it, like Mixwell's like this, oh, come on, Grandpa, I've got to drag you along now to Iceland. You know, it's not like that, but it's more, it, I think just the concrete decision that this is the roster you're going with has just added stability into the roster. And now Mixwell is playing the chamber and is finding great effectiveness with it as well. It's yeah, it's really quite magical to watch. And it does give me a lot of hope for, for G2 moving into the tournament. It's also just so unusual that you've got, like, it's an esports classic for a team to say, fuck it, we don't need an IGL, I'll just do it. That is such an esports classic. And yeah. this team has actually struggled with that a lot in their history. The fact Nookie's been able to make it work to me is just outrageous. I I've got him I've got him at the top of my list right now in terms of like players coming into Reykjavik. I think he's currently looking like the best player in the world for, because he's also been able to IGL, but it's not just that. He like IGLs the team around himself. Like it, the, the round that we just watched on Split, he's going for a flank and he's like coming to his team to just delay, 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 gets behind them. And the only reason he's able to get that spray down is because he's he's like the rest of his team's bought enough time for them to not be thinking about his flank whatsoever. And he gets there so fast just as they're setting oh, up. They have such a good idea. Again, it's like the calling to be able to take that snowman position, like the, the deep wall, the deep the deep take of the side when they get B. It's because they know that Liquid are just running these op setups on the retake. And they just they know that they 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 deny them the space. So they can't even play the op retakes from Snowman, where you typically would be just letting the players in it's it's always thinking ahead about what they were doing with the calling but it's very quick adjustments on the fly it's it's not necessarily stuff that they've planned ahead planned ahead of time it's just they understand how to play into um the win cons of the enemies sure mm. yeah, I'm, it was, I'm big it was on them in double a limb i am big on them in double a limb because i think yeah. their rebound potential is huge so the final team that's heading from emea is has been given uh, has been given a bit of a bit of a second chance, a second life. Um, and they are going to be able to come back to Iceland. It's Team Liquid, who they, yeah, I think whoever was mentioning this earlier, they have been pretty humble about it on Twitter. That, you yeah, know, they know that, yeah, yeah, Connor was saying they were tweeting that we know we haven't earned this, but we're going to try and live up to it. Um, we're, you know, thankful for the opportunity and we've gone through a lot of the stuff and like tried to figure out what we need to do to rebuild. But it's, 
it, it does feel like, I mean, it's, it's liquid luck, isn't it? That they've managed yeah. to just stumble into this position. Before we dive into like clips, I wanted to play the clip from Sliggy's co-stream of him talking about uh, what he thought the issues were of Liquid. And this is after they were knocked out. And this is after they, you know, obviously he thought, uh, this is after he knew that they were going to be going to Iceland. Oh, sorry, before. Before, he, he, before, yeah. Before. Make sure that you know, that's quite important. That's an important clarification. But it adds yeah, uh, interesting lens to look at the, their overall play. Because in the clip, um, it, it might be a bit too much to just listen to him, but he's just talking very generally. I can generally. play it. How, with how audio. long is it, Bren? It's 45 could, seconds. Yeah, it's, 30 yeah, it's not very long. Let's, let's just listen, listen to it with audio on. Uh, um, the one thing that we might be doing is kind of like... So our main issue is IGLing, right? Um, no one feels comfortable IGLing. It's like our, it's like literally just like the our biggest issue at the moment. So um, we're probably going to try... We're probably going to try one more thing, like IGL-wise. Um, then, yeah, we'll we'll see what happens if, if that doesn't fix it. All right. Okay, so we, we couldn't hear it. Yeah, I couldn't hear it. Oh, well, I don't know what he said. Definitely good clip. Good clip, though. Seems like he was interested in whatever he, was going on. Okay, so, so to summarize for you two, he just said IGLing is their biggest issue right now. They're going to try one more thing with the IGLs, and then they'll see where it goes. But he was... He, he seemed pretty, pretty down, pretty like, you know, this is our last chance to try and fix the IGL issue with this roster. Otherwise, the, the implication is that they would have to make changes or bring in an IGL or something like that. I don't know exactly who he's referring to, though, there. They've had Soulcast IGL in the past. They've had mm. Scream secondary IGLing. Yampi was the most recent IGL, from what I understand. I don't think they've ever had Link do it or Nevera, though. I mean, or Scream primary IGL either. So I don't really know exactly what he's implying there is like their idea now for the future. Did, did you have yeah. any more insight on that, Brad? I, I just, it gave me a different lens to look at the Liquid game uh, most recently because what I pinned a lot of their issues down to was a kind of disconnect in how they wanted to play their macro game plan. So there's just a clip of, of Scream who's was mad consistent on Icebox, by the way. He went 7-0 in terms of first kills to first deaths on Icebox. Uh, he popped the fuck off with his rifling. He was getting so much value time and time again. There were moments where you saw he was slightly uncomfortable with, with the role in the clip that I, um, that I pulled. Um, but they have Scream. They know it's a fantastic rifler. That's one of their strengths. But they also want to dip into the strengths of the fact that they've got so many players that can play with operators, which mm. if, if you've got Yampi opping from back rafters on Icebox because you want Yampi to be opping, he's not going to be up close to bail Scream out when he's in this situation with a paranoia. Like it's, it's almost a disconnect in terms of how they play it. Like they have him covering him. So he like, they break the drone, I suppose. So he can play those close angles. But in general, the, the biggest issues came down to, obviously there was some uh, m minor mistakes that snowball out of controls when it comes to these, these situations. But for me, it was a big, I, I just took a big macro look at what happened and where the, the map snowballed away from them. And it came down to decisions like, forcing off the back of losing the pistol round, which spun your economy out of control. And then your overall strategy being to use double operator, which is a huge economic investment into the round. And at the same time, it goes opposite to the way that Scream is like taking space actively in A, uh, in a main or wherever. It's, it, there's this kind of divisive thought process, it feels like when, with the way that they're playing the game. And I don't blame the coaching staff for this because it sounds like from the way Sliggy speaks about the team, he gives Liquid a lot of agency within the game, 
to make their own decisions. And so I think when this team relies so much on on their confidence, their hitting shots, uh, you know, they lose the initial pistol around. I'm thinking, yeah, guys, let's just force, let's just force, we can win this. But they don't think about how it might affect the overall macro plan. The fact that they want to set up with operators on the players, the fact that they might, you know, want to have Yampi in a situation where he doesn't feel like he has to play up close of an operator to support Scream because you want to rely and lean on his rifling a lot more. It's it's that kind of identity. And I think, I don't know if I want to attribute that to the freedom that they have, like the independency in the match to make those kind of decisions. But I don't think it's like pre-planned that they come into it with a thought process to force. And as a coach, you don't want to shut that down because it, it showcases like, well, no, of course I've got confidence in you guys to win rounds that you can force. You guys are skilled enough. You know, you don't want to shut that down. It, it could be it could be coming across in in a negative way. Sure. Um, but it, yeah, it, it kind of it kind of shone that light on on the series as I was watching this, and I could start to see how it could snowball. And also, yeah, I don't know. In the past, they've definitely showcased that they're very confidence driven. Like if they get to a bad start, they find it hard to rally back in maps. Yeah, it's going to be an extremely tough tournament for them. I think they they definitely don't look like the same team that was doing incredibly well towards the end of last year. I think they really had. If you just want to talk about their defensive setups, they really had like a good game plan for all of their defensive setups about how to use the ops and like synergize their players with rifles with those areas where the operators were holding and now it just feels like it's a bit all over the place this round um, yeah i didn't mean to interrupt go ahead no 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 go on tell I, me about the round say, this round is a great example to summarize both the strengths of g2 what i was batchesting about is just this team's just working really well and he's making great calls as the IGL, but also some of the, the pains of, of Team Liquid where they have all this mechanical ability, they find the first pick, screams in there with the knives, they get these advantages, but then converting that into round wins is where they've been finding issues. In Icebox, this was all the time. I mean, Scream with seven first kills to zero first deaths, he was consistently getting that first pick. But then it's like it just falls to pieces. Like, look at this. They spot the players in the bus stop. They combo just on the fly a Hunter's Fury into the into the vulnerable with the snake bite. It's like just off the cuff kind of sh shit from G2 where that showcases they're actively thinking and also fast to act on information that they get. And yeah, this was just the, the, I, I felt like this was the classic round to look at um, from that kind of that kind of perspective because they end up clutching it. G2 end up clutching this this one out and they secured that first map away when it should have been arguably around to Team Liquid, they would have been able to stay into it a little bit longer, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it definitely feels like the... When I watch Liquid, it's like the other team has a game plan, ready to go. You know, there's the, someone calling and they have the idea, boom, execute the idea. Liquid, it's a bit like, whoa, what we doing? What we doing? And that uh, seems like a bit of a problem. But they, they have their opportunity now to try and address that. And yeah. it's not... They've got nothing left to lose. They, this is like a free roll right now. They haven't... They haven't earned this spot, but they've been given it, and it's just take a punt and see what happens. I really hope this is the wake-up call for them, because I think that still the, the player quality on this roster is insane. We've seen the potential. Like, last Champions, this team was looking great. I think the roster changes coming into this year were even better. Like, I, I'm loving seeing Nevera into the mix. I think he's been really great, and we talked about it. We've seen those highs for Team Liquid. It's, if they can get this calling sorted out, figure out who might be the best fit for that, or, or even if it has to be more of, like, a kind of we're switching between. We have someone doing the mid-rounding, someone doing the pre-rounding. Like, that's fine. They just need to find the flow that works for them. And I think that was some of the pressure off also in a land environment which we've seen this team is pretty solid in like i don't know my, my hopes aren't that low i i think that they, that they can still deal some damage um i i think that they're obviously incredibly lucky to be afforded this opportunity and, and i think that they they will have that um that that work ethic to be able to to, to put it on in and, and hopefully 
have to have the improvements we're talking about because you can still see like despite the lack of game plan the potential is there if they can get these couple issues sorted i i like their chance well let's talk about north america i hear <laughs> yes i hear I love north america as as starts just coming well, to the mic yeah, north america i'm going bye <laughs> oh okay damn what the fuck well, okay bren i guess is getting his package or something so we'll we'll jump cut for a moment and we're back. I take it back. I do care about North America. There we go. Oh. That's that's what you're <laughs> wow. supposed to be saying. Thank you. Saying that. That's a joke. I won't get fired. But well, we can bring get fired. your cast a bit. What's I, what did you get fired from? You don't have a... Stream, it was the, oh boy, I'm, I don't want to fuck up my big break. Oh, <laughs> and now we can bring it back. I'm like, oh, I don't want to get fired for a, a gag. We, we might fire you from Plat Chat. Uh, yeah. If you don't like North America, you're not welcome here. That's Let's true. talk about the guard. The guard they literally won the North American VCT. I still can't quite believe that. But I can. They, they went on a god run. I mean, that's an absurd, absurd run. They, they lost to Cloud9 in the group stage. And then, I mean, they lost to uh, Optic in the upper finals too. Yeah. And they just look insanely good in that lower bracket final and grand final they looked nuts yeah i i need to hammer home for people at home to understand just how ridiculous this storyline is in esports like i followed multiple games not obviously the same all at the same time with as much scrutiny but like in my time of just being super into cs way back in the day uh dota as well overwatch as well just following that you were into dota i'm so yeah, sorry for dota, your loss. i actually casted dota for a little bit as well um uh, I, yeah i played a ton of it as well but not not as much these days but anyway there, there are some miracle storylines from dota's like ti's of teams going on lower bracket runs or og playing with their coach i'm pretty sure it was og playing with their coach but this is also just a ridiculous storyline that I think people do recognize it, but this team, Trent joined it, I think January 16th. I think the core of the roster has existed for like four months and they have gone from rookie team to representing North America as the number one seed on the global stage at Reykjavik yeah. in such a short amount of time. In such a short amount of time. It's insane. It's actually insane. I, I The storyline is is madness and you can just tell how much it meant to every single one of the players when um when valen was doing the interview at the end after they won against c9 man they like these guys have just been grinding and grinding and grinding and grinding and what what a timely injection of just a wake-up call i think for a lot of the other north american teams as well definitely have no hope for just a squad that could carry the kind of ideas and and culture that a lot of the EMEA teams carry, which is just the idea that they take practice incredibly seriously. They're grinders. There's no egos on the team. Everybody just wants to succeed across the board. It felt like we were we were lost at sea, honestly, with no hope of finding a goddamn island with just you know precious moisture that isn't contaminated with salt. We we were we were lost in a sea of salt. Uh, North America just there's sodium everywhere. But the, <laughs> You know, I'm getting lost. I'm getting lost here. You like, are. <laughs> take, me take me out of the brain fog and the one, the one box. Uh, well, the, yeah, the the thing I, that I said on the broadcast as well, these, it's not even like this, because having a new team that goes on to win a couple of months later is a bit of a miracle run in and of itself. But to me, it's that the players were actually not that great before this team. Yeah. Like the, 
the best placements were, I think, uh, player made, like, top eight with T1, where he was playing Omen and, like, some Jet, but didn't really look that great doing it. And then Jonah P had, like, I think he made closed qualifiers at some point, playing for Immortals, where they just got boomed. And then everybody else has not even really made it that deep in an open qualifier. And then you've got Trent, who didn't even really play on a pro-salaried team at all before the guard. So... This is a squad full of players that were not expected to do that well, and yet the way that they've been built by MCE and the fact that they took everything so seriously has led to outrageous success. Valen said they've been boot camping since January. I mean, they've literally been in that place in Dallas since January, living away from home, just yeah. constantly, 100% focused on the game in that entire time. And think of how That's tough outrageous. that is to have that level of dedication too. Cause because think of how young some of these players are. Like I, I'm pretty sure Trent's 17. What like is he still in high school? Did he I think he dropped out of school for this to pursue? I think this. he like, might still be doing was, stuff. No, actually. you can still do it. I mean a bunch of, it happened to a bunch of Overwatch League players where like like for example, like Super and uh and some others, they were they took online high school while competing in the Overwatch League when they're like I'm pretty sure he said finished. he dropped out. I'm Did he say sure. he dropped I mean, out? I don't know. I don't know if Trent dropped out. If Trent dropped out, I'm gonna be like Go back to school. At least get your GED. <laughs> at least get your GED. Get your GED. I don't give a shit if you don't want to go to college. Get your GED, man. Like, at least get that, like, for love of God. It's like, yeah. it's literally just a test of if you can breathe and chew gum at the same time. Like, just, <laughs> just, like, just, just go get the GED. I'm trying to okay. see, like, uh, I swear he did. Okay, I might be being crazy. I might be being crazy. I'm trying to peruse his tweets. But all that aside, still, like, incredibly young roster, mostly new players. They they commit to the bit. They they go for the boot camp, which is something that I don't think enough teams uh, in NA have been doing. So, first of all, props to the to the guard, to John Guard, for 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 putting in the money, putting in the time to, to realize yeah. that these are strong players, to put in the effort to not just, like, switch roles after the initial failures of the team and just put them together and wait for the success to happen because the success clearly did happen um I, I think that this is a massive come up for sure for trent it's it's proof of sia player but i think the biggest success story for me in this roster is valen because on complexity he was so mediocre like his his individual performance was fine his calling was fine that was like the first real roster he calls for but then he comes in he has the help of mc to develop and i think his calling is just elevated in such a big way it, it doesn't hurt because he has insane pieces to work off of but like the the mid-rounding for this team has looked excellent the the pre-planning between him and, and between their coach and mce has been absolutely stellar like i i think that that him especially has been one of those big pieces and sure the, the rest are impressive like everyone has their own cinderella story but i, I think that's been the one that excites me me most because we were talking about like teams were even thinking oh we have no good igls in na let's, yeah, let's bring yeah. someone over from eu let's let's try and buy someone out from another org no one had faith in the free agent talent in in being these leaders and in, in being these these newer people and they did that and, and looked fantastic uh in doing so and i think it's proof that there is that talent within north america you just need some level of experience some level of a coach to mold that mm. The vote we were just could just play well. a clip of them getting flawlessly decimated. Dude, I'm yeah. just playing the clips that I'm given, okay? I, I don't know. Like, <laughs> that was, um, but it's a that good was a clip more about Optic. <laughs> it's just, it was the decider for the, uh, who who goes on to, to Iceland, the, right. the initial. Yeah. It was only right. two slots the first time around. And they looked, they looked so much weaker in that initial yeah. matchup with Optic, which I'm not going to talk about into too much detail, but the turnaround that they had when they went from that game where they looked on some maps just 
lack of confidence, desynced, getting thrown for a loop multiple times in a round when it got into unfamiliar situations. And then you watch him in that Cloud9 game. And if you just even just, just you can pick random rounds in the icebox, but you just saw excellency from them. A very close game against Cloud9. Cloud9 played incredibly well, I think, to, to play them that close. And when I saw that, that BO5 against them, and I was like, man, that BO5, I think that favors Cloud9. They have a deeper map pool from what we uh, last yeah, seen. I thought but so. again, I am. I was surprised by the guards' ability to just bounce back off the back of their losses, off the back of just being able to learn off of a bad map. No other team has been able to have that rapid rebound from one series to the next uh, yeah. in such a long time from what I can remember. Well, they, they do remind me a little bit of... Like what I'm saying with G2 over in EMEA, where they just learn so fast and get better so uh, so quickly, that's, that's what I think the guard do potentially even better because they also just instantly pick up new compositions. This Icebox is not the exact example, but if you're thinking about when they played against Haven, against Cloud9, they had just played a different comp. This was such a play, a, such a good play by Jonah P as also well. Also the dart here too, like playing yeah. off the dart. So yeah, it's just so fucking good. Just lights them up and he's just on top and they're like, wait, what? Yeah, but they, they literally change their comps around frequently and yet still are able to perform at a really high level. If you think about the narratives in North America before this year, a lot of the teams were like, yeah, we can't really adjust the comps that quickly. Like this game's so crazy. It's very difficult when the patch is changing constantly. And you know, it takes, takes you a couple of weeks to refine a new composition and get it up to the top. Cloud9 are like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, sorry, the guard are like, whoa, whoa, whoa. It takes us a week and we're good. We can just pick up three different comps on Ascent. We can pick up, you know, a, a bunch of different comps for Haven. We'll change our guard, uh, our bind comp halfway through and look like one of the best teams in North America. They, they just look sick and it's all effortless for them. And I don't understand exactly how it's so effortless. But I wanna, I wanna bind for a second. Incredible. Uh about about what you were bringing up uh, about the comp stuff not what you're saying but i think like it was such a bad like we have had for forever in na in so many different games coming from cs coming into this game where na teams have just been like troll in in terms of the work ethic it feels like a lot i feel like that's that's been a standard for a while and i i think that these these newer teams i think cloud nine is a good example i think optic is a good example i think garter a good example that what it takes in valorant isn't your isn't what you have in the past isn't what you can do directly in towards the server every single day. It, it's the kind of dropping that ego and being able to just constantly innovate, constantly change and come into every single day of practice with that improvement mindset and, and work harder and switch things up. Because this game is not one where you can stagnate. Patches are changing. Teams are changing. If your comp stays the same, you will get prepared for, you will get read into. You need to put the time in to, to be variable. And the meta right now allows for many different options to be viable. So that's why I think that these teams are so good. And I think Guard is the best example of that. Because fundamentally, they just have five fantastic players. They have a good leadership staff who's willing to switch things up and that implements these changes really incredibly well. Uh, the future for this game needs to be players who can play a lot of different roles, are comfortable in taking these changes and, and taking these 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 changes quickly and, and not having to, to kind of fluff around and, and be stuck into the, the same old, same old for, for events upon events, uh, which is why I love this team. And it's why it's a, it's a team that I really do want to continue to root for and, and one that I do truly believe can do well on an inter international level because it's not just about their fundamentals. It's about their, their willingness to learn, their willingness to change, and just having a, a good attitude generally uh, about mm -hmm. playing these games.
Yeah. The breath fresh air, isn't it? It really yeah. is. It's it feels so takeover. good. It's like, I, I thought I, I was inhaling copium. Finally, I'm back into just inhaling good, fresh NA air. And it's in my lungs, and I'm just, I'm fucking rejuvenated. I'm vitalized from, from just the juice. You're of, not of revitalized, you're vitalized. I'm no, vitalized just, for the first time. You're not, you're not revitalized. It's just the <laughs> first time you've had life. They, yeah. they, though, did get pushed to the limit by Optic in that BO5 Grand Final. And, and it was, it was a cool game. The first time they played in the upper bracket... Um, MCE tried to push them into really weird territory with the map veto, so they ended up, you know, Breeze was the third map, which was both teams' perma-ban. You've got, like, Split coming in there as well, which MCE was hoping that Optic weren't prepped for, and Bind. This time, they just removed Bind. They were like, okay, we got destroyed on Bind. Fuck that noise. We're not going to give Optic their best map. Sorry, I'm talking about the grand final, Kurt. Yeah. The, uh, the guard are like, no, get Bind out of there. We'll, we'll play on Ascent. We'll play on Breeze. Those are somewhere towards the bottom of the guards map pool. And if you look at Ascent, they actually kept it fairly close, which I was surprised at to begin with. I was like, okay, this is a good sign for the guard. And then when you go to Breeze, which was actually Optic's pick, yeah. it doesn't really matter that it's Optic's pick because it's a BO5. It's just the order of the, of the maps. But still, the fact that the guard just unbelievably dumped on them, all Smoked of the them. aggression the optic could not handle whatsoever i mean optic are clearly weak on breeze and fracture and the guard punished them so heavily for this breeze uh map that they that they let this one through yeah. and it was it, it was a phenomenal series you had maps where both teams are good like icebox haven uh split you could argue as well and then you've got maps like this that were just one-sided dominance with sire players dunking i mean sire dunked on haven as well had mm -hmm. a fantastic. What was it like? Can a one v three to close it out for T one. Remember when he was on Omen, sitting in a corner for yeah. T one. Remember that one? Yeah. Well, the other thing too is T one actually did try him on Jet for a while, but it was when yeah, he first true. started and he looked again robotic. He looked like he he looked like he only had a couple of things that he knew really how to do. That his playbook was like, okay, yeah. I dash into smoke, I come out of smoke, I I do the job. He's so fluid now and and happy to improv in these chaotic situations and plays the the 1vx scenario is really intelligently they've just all of the players have got better and better and better it's wild it really yeah, i really is. like speaking of improvement net i feel like from the debut of the net chamber to now that chamber i feel like looks really really good comparatively to where it started like i, I was watching like specifically on like a mechanical like using the tour de force type of level like when he first started i feel like he wasn't nearly as consistent with it now i think net consistent has like consistent success when he pulls out the old like again, all the time on chamber in the head-to-head -head or yeah. leaf but even then it's understandable yeah, but those are those are like exactly. two of the best players in north yeah America. exactly like for someone that's not like a straight duel star duelist player playing no. on like an almost duelist role he looks extreme much better than when he started in my opinion i think he's like he gets the value he needs for that comp for him down chamber to be successful comparatively to where i feel like when he first started out playing it a lot well, I think that was one of the big problems with um, with Optic when you're looking at how they approach Breeze. When mm. Optic's Breeze composition has uh, like Marved playing Sky and Victor on the Chamber because FNS doesn't really want to play Chamber, so he has to pick up the Viper. Like that is just a mess of a role allocation for that team. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a big difference when the guard all feel comfortable playing their roles. Like they're, they're just for for people that don't have a ton of experience like trent he's playing four agents at the top top level he's playing his sova what is it sova breach uh sky and what else does he play for them 
He definitely plays four. I was looking at it recently. Uh, I can tell you once I look at it. Don't know. I forgot. Uh, it's Breach, Viper, Silver, Viper. Sky, Breach. Yeah. Oh, Viper. When the yeah. hell does he play the Viper? I can't remember that. I don't know. But in the, I mean, it's, well, but re, that was 60 days ago. In his 30-day history, for the most part, it's almost exclusively Sky, oh, Silver, Breach. Didn't so, he play KO yeah. on one map? No, yeah. I'm not in the past. Not recently. It doesn't oh, okay. seem like he's had it. So, what the fuck but, map does he play Viper on? How am I forgetting that? What? I don't know. I honestly don't know. I Dude, haven't seen him play. In a I'm long off the time, goop. So. It must be Fracture or some shit. It's got to be right. Anyway. I think it is Fracture. No, he plays Breach on Fracture. Fish? No. I'm confused. <laughs> it's, it's it's ninety. It's from sixty we're, days, not in the past stupid. month. It's from two months ago. So we're it's probably all stupid. Moving yeah. on. Yeah. Just yeah. On let's let's talk optic though. Let's let's talk about Opti. They're the team that pushed yeah. them in the grand finals too. This team made second place at Masters Berlin. They are North American royalty at this point, I would say. They're a team that's been consistently good throughout 2021. Yeah, they had their, their, they had their ups and the downs. They ended up getting grouped at champions. But this team is looking to redeem themselves after that champion's loss. And they look individually a lot better. I think Victor was one of the players that I was tr uh, highlighting before we went into this mm. grand finals was just spectacular compared to that champ's performance um where where do you think this team is at currently they're expect they were expected to win that grand finals because they beat them in the uppers but is it even an issue for optic that they're seeded into the group stage i don't think it'll be an issue i think they'll still be able to move on through i i think they they brought in some some good ideas into this and obviously have some fantastic players i i wanted to talk about that game Versus the guard. Kurt was already playing a few of the, the clips I had grabbed for it. But they, they implement the M3 C comp, which we've already seen Knights in NA try. And it looked so much better for them. It looked so much better. They, they've been one of the, they've been the only team in NA besides Knights to, to try out this Neon. And they were the first to do it. And I think on that split, it was set up really, really well. They have these super creative trap plays. They allow Victor to be that kind of forward man, creating space, finding information off a lot of these forward plays when they're combining it off the double flash. Um, they, this was one, I believe that was, yeah, this was their bonus round where early on they went for some aggression over towards A main. And, and what I like about this round isn't just that they have these preset plays to try for aggression, try and get information. It's how they adapt off it because they lose a man. It's a little unlucky, but then they pivot back towards their default and, and B side ends up being taken and they look really good in towards the retake. So these util heavy comps play super well because it, it, it means that, First of all, these, these individuals who we know are great, who are playing these flashing roles on the team, can pop off when they need to and, and play for themselves. But they can also put Ye in these positions where he can thrive. When he's playing that chamber, uh, he's implemented the chamber really, really well in towards the compositions and can constantly be rotating on over. He kind of gigaboomed them in towards us. And we can talk about <laughs> yeah, that when did. we get into map number two because it was him and Victor just absolutely obliterating when he's on the off. He, he feels like the chamber role was really made for him. And uh, in this one, I think... I think he, he kind of screws up his micro and isn't in a position where he can teleport away. And sure, he gets punished. But again, it's just like Optic being voracious. We hyped up the guards so much about how good they are in the mid round. But I think that as, as a caller, FNS has proven that he's over incredibly high caliber. They've already proven themselves at other international events. Everyone on this roster has land experience. And my biggest issue with them previous was that they weren't a meta-defining team. It always felt like they were lagging behind it a little bit. That's changed. They've proved that they can, in this meta, be a team to push forward and come in with their own ideas and try things new before other teams in NA have implemented it. Yeah, what what, what I'm still concerned about a little bit with Optic is that it's that meta uh, the meta-defining element. Because while I feel mm. like they've definitely gone in that direction okay they're, they're implementing neon on haven they're implementing neon here as well 
what what I'm not a big fan of though is that uh, it tends to take them a couple of. It, they're not as quick to find success with it as some of the other teams. Now, that doesn't apply to their split. Their split, as soon as they picked it up, they looked really good at it. But their Haven, the first time they tried it, looked pretty cap. Like, Victor's just running it down on the neon. And I think they've they've changed that up a little bit. In fact, they've changed that up a lot. It looks much better coordinated, and they've got some great ideas with it. Now it's still looking like a, a good comp. They did end up losing it to the guard in that final map five, but it wasn't, you know, it's not a... It's not a tragic map for them. But also, their Breeze, definitely. Again, they step out of their comfort zone, trying something different, but they just looked appalling there, too. So I'm, I'm, I'm hoping for that next step. Like, some teams, meta-defining, but as soon as they pick something up, they look amazing with it. And I'm thinking about the guard there, too. Mech, those kind of teams. Optic are a bit slow to get off the racing lines and i i, I think uh if they try we to get just, a bit too crazy with it in the group with stage it could hurt and them. the thing is i think there's there's been a very small sample size especially since they went through the upper bracket of this one that i think heading in into masters you could be very right and they could stumble but them being able to implement this split comp and immediately find success feels like it, it gives an example for me of them maybe being able to move out of that um yeah I but that's not meta defining that's meta theft no. That is true. That is true. But in its own way, that's a definition. They were kind of thieves. But, but, but I mean, we're late enough now into the meta, I feel a bit to where, like, obviously, I wouldn't say this particular meta has been solved by any means, no. but we're late enough into its entry to where I'm perfectly fine with them committing thievery as long as their duplication of it is, like, a very good dupe, you know? Sure. Like, I think this was a very good dupe. Yeah. yeah, and the thing is, that's what's important to me. The more important to me is not even just about them... It's not just about their meta. It's also about, more importantly, it seems like they are seemingly very comfortable and they can have Victor now play sure. a role where he can fit and actually flex into these different roles they need him to. Because yeah, that was an even, issue with them before. Not even Victor. I mean, yay. If we want to yeah. talk, your topic earlier about Nets chamber improvement, uh, I think by far and away surpassed by Ye's chamber improvement, in my opinion. Because He's when we first saw that come out, when they played it on Bind, uh, it looked... He, he wasn't doing anything interesting with it at all. He just had the rendezvous down like he was playing Jet, just playing the same angles, not really getting too much value out of it, and it really hurt them when it moved on to attack side. Now, yeah, he's playing these creative positions. He's able to entry op in an absurd uh, capacity. I looked up his stats, actually. He gets more kills per round with the op on attack than he does on defense. That's crazy. That's yeah. wild when he's playing chamber that he's getting more value, like sneaking into these positions, booming net a lot when he, they were playing in the direct split head-to-head -head. he he's at the beginning it felt like he took a step back from being the star player and now i feel like he's taken that step forwards again into yeah the, all of the resources still go into victor but yay can still carry a game like hard fucking pound in a can game we, can we look at the clips from the the second game of that map i, I think i sent a couple to you uh kurt because the, the thing is that this was a great example in their bind game about using victor and yay separately but it's two tools to just absolutely boom i think victor being freed up to play this race on pretty much every map that you'd want to implement the race has been such a big improvement Oof. for this team the the aggression with the with the boom bots and with the nades to hold on to extremity control yay playing those really weird ratty off angles you, you talked about their split game when it was versus the guard he just like he giga tilted net with with the constant constant early frags with the op and and it was a similar story in, in towards this series as well where this guy was forward every time on defense and that doesn't change when he's on the attack we have too many chambers in na that just kind of bait 
and just kind of sit back and, and play the funny trademark and, and try and get value off of it. But it, it, it's like in, in this setup, this setup, it, it's been looking, it's been looking a lot, a lot better. Um, and I would say that in a way, even if he struggled at first, Ye has been defining in what Chamber means in its implementation in towards NA. I yeah. think that uh, their buying setups early on, it didn't come up in that Rise series, but after that, it was looking really good. His yep. split imp- implementation has been really good. He's found setups like the, the teleport between the two sites that he does, the forward angles in B main, a lot of the time in split. People are yoinking that from him. I, I think it's a little unfair to say that Optic, well, sure, they sometimes do struggle when they pull these new comps in, but whether it's stealing stuff or whether it's implementing their own stuff, there are still a lot of these really good moments from them that give me hope. Yeah, I, I still think that they're, well, coming into the grand finals, I thought that their peaks were the highest we'd seen in North America. Um, and I also thought they'd fixed the inconsistency issues that looked like were plaguing them at the beginning of the year too. I still don't think that grand finals was a bad performance by any means. I think it was just the the map pool looks a little deeper for the guard once you get rid of once you get rid of bind, which I mean the guard is still really good at. They just got rolled by optic. Optic looked fantastic at this map. I, I think optic can do some serious damage. I really do. I think as long as Victor's firing on all cylinders, this team. I think North America's got two fantastic teams heading to Reykjavik. Um, do you feel more confident about NA or EMEA, the top two teams? If we ignore, if we ignore Liquid, if we're talking North America versus uh, G2 and Fnatic, obviously, yeah. you know, it's a bit weird because FBX isn't there, but just the teams that are actually going, which region do you feel better about? That's a tough one. That's a t- that's honestly a t- I feel like if FPX had managed to go to this event, I'd be like, "Ooh, I'm feeling pretty good about mm-hmm. EMEA," you know. But with FPX not making it, and Fnatic's got Brave off as and well, Fnat- uh, and Fnatic losing Brave. Brave. I mean, I have an extreme amount. I am a tier three sub to the guard. Is the thing? Uh, I'm a huge go. guard. Here we go. I but yo, I have believed. I have believed. <laughs> I have been the believer here of the guard. I feel. Like even more so, like even when they lost to C9, like I was like, I was still holding the banner. I was I was waiting for the guard to pounce back, and they did. I believe in the guard. Oh, I by actually the way, think optic look really good too. Just so, about like, this, but... none of us were correct with our bold predictions from North America about which two teams would make it but through. But we each got one. We each yeah. got one. I yeah. got optic. The rest of you guys got guard. Everything's <laughs> happy. Everything's yeah. good. Enjoy exactly. It. I yep. think so. I do believe I actually I love the guy. I wasn't even <laughs> on this episode, so it wasn't even for I didn't have my, my but mine would have been the guard and C9. So, yeah, yeah. which yeah, I mean, we don't talk the... about exit, but my god, <laughs> disappointed. <laughs> yeah, that's just fourth place again for exit. Just yeah, smile. same thing. So, yeah, smile. I believe in the guard. All right, Important. I'm gonna I'm gonna take a big half of my NA copium and I'm gonna say that NA is gonna do better. I, I have faith in my team. I have faith in Optic. They've been proven at an international level. I think they're looking better than they have been before as a team for all the reasons I've already talked about. And I'm just a fucking guard fanboy. I don't know how they're <laughs> going to do it, Lan. Only one of them has real Lan experience. I don't care. I, I love MC as a coach. I love the players on this team. I'm just blindly throwing my faith into the wind and believing <laughs> in the guard. Dude, those kids are going to be drilled up, okay? I be- like Based off their boot campy strategies, they're going to be the most disciplined. They're going to be Dude, fucking like rank fucking and file order. Pool. A military parade yeah. marching into the venue for the guard. <laughs> they're going to be like, MC is going to bugle. They're going to sit down at their PCs and they're going to fucking go. And like, they're going to fucking you. inspect their mouths. Is that, a, is that a speck of dust on your G Pro? That's another fucking 10 hours of scrims today. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> there were a couple of laps uh, around the lake. Oh, the, uh, God. A lot of people are like, not a lot of people, but a narrative that's kind of developed around the guard being at number one seed is the concern that they might choke from an experience. Mm. Um, and I think if they were going to choke from an experience, it would have happened by now because mm. we've literally seen them go through week five, rough game against Cloud9 where they didn't showcase it. They bounce back into the playoffs with new looks onto the meta. They go through the upper playoff bracket. They get knocked down again. We're thinking, okay, they're playing against Cloud9. This time it's a BO5 and it's an actual press pressure match with a lot on the line. And they end up winning against Cloud9 you know, when honestly it was all pointing towards Cloud9 should have been winning it. So yeah, I know we're talking about Optic in general, but uh, it is interesting the way it's worked out with them getting the buyer deeper into the tournament, especially now that we know the f how the format works. It's like the guard will have a week where they, they're not playing games at the, at the event. They could play very yeah. little games. Yeah. That's, it's, a, it's a weird one, actually, because I feel like from the guard's point of view, of course they love to skip straight to the playoff stage because you have no opportunity of you yeah. know stumbling at the beginning and getting grouped. But also probably those group stage games would have been good to get a bit of the confidence going, a bit of the experience going, that kind of stuff. So I'm not mm. saying it's really like a double-edged sword, like it's e perfectly sure. even with the pros and the cons, but um, they are getting thrown straight into the deep end. You're getting immediately chucked into an upper quarterfinals match and uh, you can only you can only lose once, whereas if you go through the group stage, you can technically. I mean, lose what their twice. first round match could be against like a second CDU team. It could be uh, it could be against like a, a DRX. It could be against like one of the the top LATAM teams. Like it could, it could be against like a crew or a loud, depending on which one of them gets to buy into the playoffs. Like the the first round playoff game will be incredibly tough. I honestly probably see them losing that and and praying that they bounce back in the lowers. That's probably oh, well, my expectation. The thing is though too, because they've called already to the quarterfinals, they should be playing the second seed from the groups. So it's not mm. it's not you know that that whatever team they go up against will have already lost once when it comes That's to true. Reykjavik. So it's it, No, but it's isn't more, how it works the, the teams that get it on in automatically because there's there's it's it's eight teams four auto qual right and then it's yeah. four from the groups because it's four two from groups. the groups yeah which means that the the four teams that are seeded into the um into the playoffs that sure. will wait a second i, yeah, I think no, there's I a know. chance they could play a one seed yeah maybe there is yeah they could play against a one seed i, I don't know how the fuck they they're gonna either. do this I, I, I don't know how they, how it'll be seated i'm lost it'll be tough yeah it'll be tough well, yeah that's what i'm saying it will be difficult the esports book that's on the shelf. Maybe that'll have the answers. Oh yeah, let me yeah. have a look. Read the book of esports. Take a look at it. What does Ninja have to say? Okay, what does Ninja have to say? Ninja says, uh, "Think instrumentally." So think, uh, think about your instruments. I'm thinking so, about my instrument every day. I, so. I at the piano like two hours, two hours ago, two years Actually, ago. This, this, sorry, this is a fantastic page that I've opened it up to. It says, so you want to be a professional gamer? Then get ready to work for it. I think the guard read this page. I think the guard literally read this paragraph in yellow right here. And they were like, Ninja says I've got to work hard. So I'm going to do it. We're, we're going to work all day, every day, and I'm going to live my dream. That's what, that's what they're doing. Tyler Blevins is the spokesperson for esports in North America. <laughs> well, yeah, of course. The esports commission, the integrity commission. You know, interestingly <laughs> enough, you know there was actually a completely aside, but this is our new ramble. You know, apparently the ESIC part of the ESIC investigation about the coach bug is supposed to be finished before the Antwerp major for CS. It's coming out. ESIC mm. is finally putting out investigation results. Well, Are they just going to drop it right before the major? So like five coaches just get DQ'd? Yeah, That'd be I so don't know, funny. but apparently that's happening. Yeah. Well, good thing. Competitive integrity. Hmm. Well, 
our our last topic though our last topic to get through here is what, uh, some of the teams from north america that didn't quite make it so you know we discussed a large crop of teams in emea because some of the teams that didn't make it actually still made it but in north america the two teams that went undefeated in the group stage the two teams that we thought were Okay, last week we didn't think they were a lock for groups because they were literally playing against each other in the lower bracket, so that would have been impossible. But at the beginning of the playoffs, we thought Cloud9 version 1 looked like the two best teams in North America. So um, the, the last week's episode, we were beginning with their game against each other, actually, um, in that lower round 2, and then Cloud9 went on to make a, a run where it looked like they had a chance, and, and you know we were printing them even last week to be able to make it through. How, what are your thoughts on these two teams heading into the future? Because while the future looks just unbelievably bright for teams like the Guard, who are already at the top of North America as a really young team, for C9 and version 1, they made amazing moves, or at least version 1 made amazing moves. Cloud9 have already had success in the past. Do you see them continuing to slip? Is it a worrying factor that they weren't able to capitalize on this success, do you think, Mimi? I don't think so. I think this is going to just be a fucking even more of a wake-up call. We've already seen the work, the work ethic is really good for both these teams. Constantly changing the comps. A new IGL for V1 who, who is implemented quickly and is immediately finding success. I think that for, for version 1 especially, I'll talk about them first. This was their first real big tournament uh, as a team where they found this much success. And I think it's only going to power them up to want to do better and to put more and more work on in. I think they're going to continue to be a strong team on in. Because even when... They lost. Sure, they, they got upset. They had an unlucky day versus LG, but that's just kind of how the cards were drawn, right? Still in the matches that, that, that mattered, like, I thought they looked really pretty solid against Sentinel. Sure, they got boomed when Tens had, like, the one game where he woke up in time and popped off, um, but I still thought that they looked like a solid team in that match. They put up a really solid fight against Cloud9, and, and sure, they've stumbled. I think that's just gonna just gonna lead them to put in even more work, even more time, and, and come back stronger. Um, like, they're, they're fucking having their their anime uh, their <laughs> anime protagonist arc they got knocked down they're coming back stronger i don't watch anime i don't know how all that works but i'm sure they're charging <laughs> up right now i'm i'm so relatable right Bren, now please is, Bren, be is related that a, to me is that an anime arc Bren? yeah i mean that's a that's a, isn't that a classic like trait of humanity Just no humans only like anime that? has done that only anime. never no no human <laughs> being has ever had to suffer to defeat and come back stronger ever as far as i'm aware that's <laughs> never been a trope ever in anything like uh, okay. like uh, there's a revolutionary movie called like i mean rambo like not rambo fucking ram wait is it rambo what am i thinking? i love rambo that's my favorite rambo Why, rambo i'm thinking of a minecraft yeah but also it's rambo rambo yeah, i went to the similar. rocky stairs there are so there are a real thing in philadelphia apparently yeah. i've walked up they, them i'm literally the rocky rocky. A real is, thing. is, is <laughs> rambo the story of someone getting knocked down and coming back up i, don't well, know. I, I thought like rambo a... was the story of someone just fucking massacring well, a bunch of <laughs> vietnamese people what well the first fuck? of all i don't that's not well it depends on which rambo you're talking about because the first rambo it's like just a ptsd story of him being harassed and then like the second rambo is like him being escaping in vietnam Dude, i I haven't seen any of them. Third Rambo. No, the third Rambo is more of a geopolitical thing because he's in Afghanistan helping the Taliban before they became the bad guys. He's helping the so, Taliban? 
<laughs> yeah, because we are. It's essentially this whole thing about how the, the they they we help the the Taliban fight the Russian. It, it's a right. big thing. Yes, it's yeah, a big yeah. thing. The, it's a big the thing. USSR yeah. Inv- yeah. invasion of yeah. Afghanistan. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, I <clears throat> didn't expect this to take a anyway. Hard so geopolitical cloud nine. Turn. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. my point on that, I think Cloud Nine is. I think both Cloud and Version One are still really good. Like Cloud and lost to the Guard. They had a good match versus them. They had a good run in the lower bracket. Right after losing to Optic, another very mm-hmm. strong team. And ver- version one to Mimi's point is still newer. They're like continuing to grow as a squad. They lost to C9, like another like a uh, very very strong team yeah. here. Or, uh, I don't think there's anything to. I think it's good that they squads. lost. Yeah, like losing here for both these teams against good, very very good teams, like the other, the arguably the two best teams in North America, while putting up good performances. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. This- you know. This hurts my Leaf being the best player in North America stocks because it's quite hmm. difficult to be the best player in North America if you don't have that opportunity to prove it at the international. I'm still putting him in my I top think you four. just blame your teammates. My team fucking sucks. I'm still the best player in NA. <laughs> well, you can still you can still put a hypothesis out that he is the best, even if his team like the best players aren't always necessarily on the best team. Here's the of thing: course, of the course, best but player other people... has to suffer setbacks. It's like other... his coach on the rocky steps pushing him down the stairs so he can climb back up again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 no absolutely um i'm i think cloud nine are missing something right now though i think this team is more talented than some of the other rosters that uh i mean specifically the the stuff that the guard is doing incredibly well um in terms of their discipline and team play seems to be lacking a little bit with c9 i'd love to see them tighten that stuff up to like get a bit more of a handle on the individual crazy plays that are being made the the level of fighting um from like you know leaf and zeppa taking individual solo challenges they're so good they often make it work but i think it's it's created this team dynamic that's mostly focused in that direction rather than the ultra disciplined ultra drilled kind of stuff that Mm. we're really seeing from a lot of the great teams in the world right now um some of the emea teams and and the guard as well and version one to some extent too but this cloud nine team is too talented to not be going to international events like this i think and i understand that they're up against insanely other talented rosters like optic and like guard but there's this team should be making the big events and i think it it needs to be a little bit of a wake-up call for them that this team's already fantastic, but they could be like they could be hands down the best team in North America, and I think that should be their goal—not just making it, but like crushing the rest of North America. I think that's if you want to like hype yourself up and get motivated to improve even more, that should be the goal for this squad. I think there's a world where they had a much—they would have had a much closer series against um, against the Guard in that decider match, like the the lower the best of five in the lower lower finals, the one that decided for them to go there. It's it's not this one here, but. They had a very close icebox against them, and the split game on the second half of split was so, so important, and their overall decision-making just lost them it, I feel like. Because already, if you remember the split game, if we can pull up the VLR so you can see just kind of the round differential, uh, and you look at this, they've got a huge advantage heading into it, right? Yeah. The the guard only managed to get the four rounds on attack side, and, uh, and now Cloud9's side swap around. They lose the pistol round, and that round fourteen, they actually choose to force, which I, I've spoken about this a little so bit. much. Through Cloud Nine force off the back of pistol rounds, I counted them up in group stage. I haven't updated it in a while. They they won once, and they forced about six times. I think in group stage, 
Mm. They, they force six times, they only won once, and it makes for way harder maps than they otherwise yeah. would have. Well, I don't know if they've actually ran the numbers from their know. scrims, because that's presumably where they're getting this from, this confidence play, where they're forcing, but the numbers don't add up. And what it led to was them actually just having shit economy all the second yeah. half of that split game and just dropping out. They lost their entire advantage that they managed to accrue on the other side of that split game, which was the decider map. It was the decider map. The thing that bothers me too is they frequently do it when they're up. Like they they are yeah. up in that situation, 8-5, even after Why losing the pistol. Yeah, exactly. You, can, it's, you don't want to introduce the variability at that point. The, this is... When you make the decision to force, this becomes a massive swing round where either you crush the guard or you let them back into the game. Why not mm. choose the lower variance option of just being ahead of the guard with better mm. chances of being able to close out the game? It doesn't matter if yeah. it's close if you win. You don't need to dominate them, you know, 13-5 or whatever. You can just hold on to your advantages. I think, yeah, that, that's been a bit of a bugbear for me as well when I've the been reason. thinking about C9. The reason we didn't see it as much until it reared its head in the very deciding important match, which is this one here. The reason we didn't see it is because they were winning a lot of their pistol rounds, which normally they were they're middle of the pack, actually, in VCT. Yeah, yeah. They they're, they're middle of the pack for it. I think the last time I pulled the numbers was 44% in terms of their, their pistol round uh, win rate, like their odds of winning it based on the overall numbers. But in their most recent matches, they, they won almost all of them. So we didn't really see it that much. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. Um, but when they did that, I was I was molding, man. I was molding because it just it just set them up. It was a downward spiral, and By suddenly way, it's eight eight. Did you see? Okay, Kurt, I haven't pulled this for you yet, but um, Imi, the coach of version one, and this is going to be a little bit of a tangent, but it's related. Imi posted a tweet that was a quote retweet of Xander, who had clipped their comms when they decided in their match to just force buy and defy their coach and just, they were just like, should we do it? Should we do it? And they just, they just sent it. They literally just full sent it on Fracture, um, which must've been against, was it that, was that against C9? Yeah, here it is. Yeah. So this is Xander's tweet. And he said, when the force buy against Cloud9 didn't work. And I think the subtitles for this as well. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're saying like, we're actually doing it. Wait, what are we, what are we <laughs> doing here? Let's have some fucking fun, says Xander. And then Effies is saying Ian is pissed, Ian is Immy. And they're just talking, they're just giggling and laughing about how mad their coach would be. And then Xander, it's 8-5 it's right now, and they're like, we've lost, guys. We went out playing our own game. They, they haven't lost the map. They haven't lost the match at this point, but they're just, they're already in their head like, oh, we fucked it. To be fair, yeah. I, I, like, I like stuff like that because it shows that the morale isn't necessarily low. No, you know? it's joyous whimsy. Yeah, it's joyous whimsy. And you need, you need like, uh, there's times where teams, it, there is such a thing as being too lax, I think, like having too much whimsy. Like when you, when your whimsy is simply, it's, it stops your blood, your red blood cells from acquiring What's the right oxygen, amount of whimsy, Connor? You know? How much <laughs> whimsy should I have? There has, there, you have to, I, I'm not a scientist, okay? I don't have, <laughs> I don't have the exact proportions of like how much per, of how much like per milliliter of Milligrams whimsy, of whimsy know? should I ingest? All I know is that sometimes dosage? you don't, you have too much whimsy, but I think in this case they have just the right amount because it shows like, okay, they're getting outplayed, like they made a play, it didn't work. Like, oh, well, like frustrating, but we can still come back. You know, like that's what I want to see from version one, which is a young team, which is like a team that like we are willing to take chances, lose, and then learn from them and improve on like the things that we did and like not catastrophize it. Yeah, know? yeah. The, both of these squads are, I think, uh, still looking good. And, and frankly, the overall crop of North American teams 
is still looking great. I think that's part of the reason that Exit finished fourth again is just because even though they improved with Cryo, uh, everyone improves the around them. And yeah. they're improving at they're pretty much the same rate as their competition. Um, so, I, I mean, me and Bren casted that game where uh, Cloud9 beat up on Exit and it was just disgusting. I mean, 12 or half is like, okay, GG. <laughs> go, cool. go next tournament. Go next tournament. Yeah. I mean, they were they just got absolutely boomed in that match. I, I thought that the second one was was solid from them, but really it felt like there was a lot of unforced errors from Cloud9. Like the end of that split game, there was just a like, I think the round that ended it was just really troll from Cloud9. They were just like walking into an op dry, just making these mistakes. Like I think that yeah. was one of the rougher matches for Cloud9 in that split game versus them where they were making a lot of mistakes. It, it was still a solid performance from Exit. Like BCJ was having a heater of a game. I'm personally still not a fan of that comp they're running but i think they make it work for them yeah th this is the round i'm talking about where they just walk heaven and just get repeatedly boomed by cryo cell i think <laughs> he gets like three kills in this round just from them giving him like free fights in towards heaven um yeah it, it, it was just some, some questionable moments but they've still bounced back and they still stomped on map number three cloud nine is still a solid team even if they have the, these failures on occasion and split is a map that they haven't played in a while i still think fundamentally their ideas of how to play this map are solid they just haven't had a lot of a, a whole lot of experience with it and will need some time to, to bounce back uh i i think cloud nine will still be a very solid team even if they start when i exit will be a solid team i know we didn't really slot in too much time to chat about them but bren your your exit copium was really high you thought yeah. they qualify i never agreed with that because cryo but i thought was, this this team was looking better than ever dude cryo was looking so good in playoffs and i was like finally the key the key component that was required yeah. for them to have success but the team was just so deflated in in this match against cloud nine like this this is the the exception of their split game but i felt like how close it was wasn't a good sign for exit in the first place because it was their map pick i'm pretty sure but i also um, think here's yeah. here's what i take away from north america as a whole both you know exit guard everything the player quality additions like cryo coming into the team aren't the solution currently i think it's uh, mm. it's about your approach to the game that i mm. think is the big difference i do yeah. i think that cryo cells is a better addition than sire player to a team you know remove all context just purely jet new addition to a team i'd pick cryo and i would have done that at the beginning of the of the year i would have thought yeah cryo being added is going to be huge for any squad if x had picked up sire player i wouldn't have expected them to you know improve as much but i think the approach the way that you actually get into the game and think about it and your setups and how, how you're practicing and how much you're practicing all of that kind of stuff ends up being way more important than just player quality and it makes your players look like they're higher quality because they have that teamwork aspect down and they're taking better fights and they're better timed with it and they're better set up with utility so they end up getting more frags i i think i think that's the narrative to be pulling out of north america right now it's the the approach is improving from some of these teams so let's go to our final topic for the week it's the most important every week and he's not here yet but he will be next time. It's Wyatt's Weekly Award. Well, you've seen this trophy before. <laughs> Wyatt's Weekly Award. But who's getting it this time? I'm not even who's sure what... that trophy? What, what, what the, is this trophy? It's the is this Oscar supposed to be special. Like a, is this supposed oh. to be like debate club trophy or something? On, no, no, no. It's the Oscar special. You've got the podium and you're... I see. So, I see. I, I see. see. I get it. I get it. What, through the was, recent global events that... Show that we're up to date with the world. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna actually we're doing a cross promotion with TMZ now. So. Yeah, just make the thumbnail Will Smith slapping 
Was it Chris Rock? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh my know. God, Bren, you watch media? You're Please. so upstate yeah, and relatable. I'm, I'm, I know uh, actors. My entire timeline has just been taken up with people giving their takes about whether or not that was appropriate, and I... All I want to do is game. All I want to do is give Wyatt's <laughs> Weekly Award to somebody. That's all I want to do. This week, Wyatt's Weekly Award is going to Angel. The the IGL, the player for FPX, I think the, the, it's an unspeakable amount of stress for this guy over recent times. He was in Ukraine. His family was there as well. It's been a, a terrible time for everybody involved in that from um, on the ground floor in Ukraine. He managed to get himself safe. He was returning to the games as a stand-in. He played Jet. He fucking clowned on people playing Jet at a really old age. Do you understand, he tweeted, that tomorrow you will most likely lose to a Jet played by a guy older than you, he tweets at Carlos. And then he said, when I say most likely, it's not that I doubt about you losing, it's just whether or not Ardis is ready to play. I mean, the spice Jesus. is there, the performance is there, and... Listen, this is no appearance at Iceland, but it's the best that we can do here on PlatChat. So, head up, King. I'm going to say, you've, more you've... prestigious than the Iceland trophy. Yeah, I doubt the players care about it quite as much, but... <laughs> Absolutely not, but some say that. Yeah, some yeah, say that. Some, Wyatt some says do. that. I've I heard many people say that, actually. Everyone's yeah. saying it. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah, head up, King. You can do it next time. And I think uh, we should be... Looking forward to FPX's performance as they go into stage it, two. Just hearing you say head up, King, is such a slap in the face. Like, you're the most, Josh, you're the most millennial person I know. Like, you find Josh <laughs> to be the most millennial person. Josh Connor, doesn't know any of the cultural references from Connor, his own what you generation. Don't understand is, what you don't understand is, Mimi's such a Zoomer that when she says most millennial, it's the equivalent of us saying it's most boomer. It's equivalent of you saying boomer. Yeah. 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 See, you're so old, you didn't even get that reference. Oh, At least I'm tapped yeah. into so the youth. I'm, I'm, I'm fucking owned now. Like you, huh? you look like yeah. you would, you would move to an up-and-coming neighborhood in a fresh, exciting city and make six figures and have a kitchen that primarily has a teal, light blue thing, and you just bought a KitchenAid, and that's the most exciting purchase of the year. First of Dude, all, you love Harry Potter. You've just you massacred just, me. You just hit yeah, me with every <laughs> single point possible. I mean, that's exactly what I did a year ago. I moved to Austin. I got a big kitchen. Uh, I'm not going to talk about my salary, granite, but it's not bad. I bet you have granite countertops. I bet your rent is over $1,000 a month. Well, to be oh. fair, if your rent is over $1,000 a month, you probably are just alive for the most part. <laughs> yeah. You're probably just Hanging a living on. human being in the current situation. I, I just tried to do something nice for Angel and I'm getting fucking slaughtered. Yeah, I don't know. Mimi, Mimi's the little I'm sorry, aggressive. guys. Maybe uh, that, was a, that was a bridge too far, guys. You, I'm sorry. You've, you've I think it was murdered fine. me. You can keep murdered going. Me. Just keep yeah. You know, we, just need, we all need to get fact-checked sometimes. We need Mimi to fact-check us on, like, you know, just put us we on should, a place. Um, we should also transition, like, the end of the Wise Weekly Ward into, like, a stand-up comedy session. Well, I'm gonna put on my suit. Each of us has an opportunity to just you know, say up. some lines, you know, that we've we've cooked up. You know, we've been reciting it in our bathrooms. We all turn up to the Platchet episodes just sweating and nervous because we know what's coming at the end of it. Okay, you know, well then, Bren, this week you get to deliver a one-minute bit of your stand-up. <laughs> I don't have it planned. I didn't recite it. I mean, That's can, why I said. Oh, you're already, you're already, you're already good. Sample. You're already preview. good. Amateur comedian. You don't know the material. Preview. Yeah. yeah. It's a preview. Uh, 
So, you guys, uh, uh, who here invests in cryptocurrency? <laughs> Investing cryptocurrency. Am I right? Uh, turn it off, Kurt. How about turn the market? The traffic. Sorry, I meant to say the traffic. <laughs> what about the market? Uh, so I was flying on a plane the other day, and, ah, you know, right. it was American Airlines, and they brought this food, and I mean, like, I mean, how about that airplane food? Guys? Airplane Am I food, right? Huh? Oh, this is going on the blooper reel. It's all going on the this, blooper reel releasing this, at the end of this, the year. This is paining me on a deep, yeah. deep level. Uh, that, that does it for episode 85. We'll be back next week. Like we said earlier, we will be covering uh, the minor regions. We will hopefully be doing group bracket... Um, what do you call it? Predictions pick and pickums and stuff like that. Maybe hit power rankings up. Fuck, are we going to do a top 20 list and leave Durker off it again? That sounds like oh. bants. We might. <laughs> we might. Who are we going to scorn this year? We'll see. Tune in next time for episode 86 and you'll find out. All right. Bye. See ya.